Welcome to the Game of Thrones podcast, the officially unofficial podcast for Game of Thrones on HBO. I'm Jim. I'm Aaron. And this week we're talking about the season finale for season two, uh, episode 210, Valor Morghulis. Uh, I think that's how you say it. He, he made me say it a lot of times. Right. He just wanted to make sure. Yeah. Want to make sure you you were you weren't just going to get all Twitter pated about his face change? Like, look, <laughs> you got to remember you're these about words. to see some cool shit. <laughs> you got to remember this for God knows how many seasons to come. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Uh, this is a phrase I definitely remember from the series. I forgot how much cool shit that they left us with in this because I remember, I remember when I was watching season two, like not being entirely on board with some of the plot, but like. The Blackwater and then, like, oh, yeah, I remember all this cool shit's about to happen is a great way. Like, it's one of the things the show does well, even in off years, is, like, really ringing the bell and having you wanting dinner time and then just, like, nope, we're going away. Yeah, I mean, that's that's the satisfying way that they do cliffhangers, I guess, is yeah. they, they tend to give you everything you wanted out of the season in, like, episode nine. Mm-hmm. And then episode ten is just like table setting, like you said. It's you not know? even. It's not even cliffhangers. It's like bridge builders, right? Like, like look what's on the other side of here. Mm-hmm. Boy, I bet you want that. Too bad we have to build the bridge to get there. But oh <laughs> shit, is it going to be? You're totally going to want to get on here and and ride across because it's it's fucking cool. Look at it. Yeah, and and you've already had your your meal for this season, right? You know, there's another meal coming. But, right, right. But this season's meal is is done with. Um. And it's not like they didn't do anything this season. So, yeah, I, I like how this this show tends to handle its season climax. Yeah, it's it's uh, pretty pretty good stuff. And it's and you know, the, to be fair, it's also based on pretty compelling material. So yeah, for <laughs> sure. That 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 never that never hurts. Yeah. Uh, so overall, you thought this episode was good? Yeah, I mean, the one thing it does wrap up, I like I I just. Boy, the Danny plot for me, even so many years later and expecting it, just is a little bit of a wet fart. Like, they get into a very different experience that show Danny has in the House of the Undying versus book Danny. Hmm. And I'm like, okay, this is different, but you know, it's a different medium. If they did everything like they did in the book, maybe it'd give too much away or, you know, it, it, it wouldn't work as well. But, um, yeah, uh, so so I'm get through there, and then she's just got these magical chains on her, and then it's kind of goofy looking, and she's got these three CGI dragons, Dracarising, and like I just felt like very anticlimactic. Huh. Okay. I mean, they can't. The trouble is, they're little dragons, right? Like, what are they really gonna do here? Oh, um, I, I, no, I get it. I'm just saying that, like, they're I, in a tough spot. I know that the guy filmed what he filmed. And the CGI guys had to worry about having these tiny dragons spitting fire around her armpits and whatnot. <laughs> but yeah. it's just, it didn't feel triumphant. It felt it felt goofy and a little sci-fi, like Siffy, not, not sci-fi, like S Y F Y. Not as good as when she walks out of the fire, or, N- or I guess walks out of the rubble of the fire. Right. So I'm saying, like, I mean, there compare this note of triumph, which is like you know her little chicken dragons breathing fire, with like last last year where she came out with the same chicken dragons, but you know mm-hmm. she had just walked through literally walked through fire to get where she was. Um, I mean, I don't know, like, because it, it's not because because her then I thought looting duck sauce's house was pretty badass yep and you know maybe they could have even gone further and showing her sailing away on a ship but like no matter how they dressed it up i just thought the resolution of the actual where are my dragons plot was 
was was I don't know. Did you like it? Uh, there were a couple of cool moments. I, th- I think the effect where Jorah's following her around this this circular path no, here. I, I really was like super that. cool. Yeah, I really um, like that. And super simple. You know that that's not an expensive shot to shoot, but man, nope. it was effective. Nope. It shows you how they're kind of masters the reality in this space, yeah. and it sets it sets the scene for an appropriate you know kind of like. Um, thrilling conclusion to this thing and i just feel like they didn't have a great way to visualize it no and i think maybe you know they had already played the ooh, this spooky guy can manifest multiple copies of himself card right uh in the previous episode so i think maybe if that had been more of a surprise um or if he had manifested like some other power that we weren't aware of already it would have been maybe more impressive Mm -hmm. but i don't know uh i i ultimately found it to be adequate (laughs) i wasn't disappointed by it necessarily i i guess i wish they had made it more of a battle of the mind kind of thing like the like i i think that a lot of that i think a lot of that came through the fact that like maybe they are distracting her with increasingly appealing like like there's terrifying visions of the future but then like places where she would want to linger and maybe she could be they could just keep her in her mind in prison forever and you mm-hmm. know then do whatever magic they want to do with her and the dragons but and that that played but like her defeating their illusions i don't know should have been they they should have tied in some somehow her defeating the illusions with her defeating them rather than I, although I, like i said maybe it's not the problem i have with how it ended just that it's felt very rushed and the actual action was dumb looking hmm. i feel like at the very least it was a short-sighted plot because I don't know what they think is going to happen with those dragons like a year, two years, ten years from now. Right. But that little pedestal is not going to contain three dragons for very long. <laughs> right. And at some point, you got to move them. And how are you going to do that? I mean, they, they got time to figure. I mean, they, they're just buying time to figure things out. You got three. You can't dra- buy too much time. You got three dragons though. and mother dragons. You can afford some renovations. You got the power of the king of Karth behind you. Like I, I mean, yeah. I mean, you're going to have to blow out the ceiling. And blow out the walls. It's right. just going to be, they're going to be on a balcony at some point. Right. Uh, the, the the observation deck. But, okay. Um, yeah, I think we both liked the episode, so let's get into the recap. Before we get into the meat of the episode proper, some housekeeping. Uh, of course, we've got every week The Walking Dead and Mr. Robot on Tuesdays and Fridays, respectively. And this is also the last season or last episode of the, the American Horror Story cult season that Sess and I have been covering. Uh, so we'll see the thrilling conclusion of that. Uh, Jim and I are going to be talking about the deuce on bald move television this week. It's a separate podcast. You can subscribe to on baldmove.com. We're also going to be seeing justice league for our first three, uh, first run bald movies. Um, except for Jim is buying a house that night. It's going to be me and Cecily, who is my co-host on the American horror story podcast, uh, talking about justice league on Thursday night. Uh, we're also, for club members, going to be playing The Wolf Among Us, uh, the latest installment. Is that the final installment? I think there's one more. I think there's we're, one more after this. We're on episode four, so we'll be... I think so, yeah. The penultimate episode of The Wolf, Wolf Among Us, which, if you don't know, that's a Telltale video game. And we try to play it the worst way we can. We yeah. take... Our goal is to always take the path that no one else takes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we statistically prove it at the end of every episode. And then also another thing coming up this week is our Stranger Things Season 2 wrap-up. We've been collecting feedback and everyone's thoughts. We're going to come back to tie a nice little bow on that until Season 3. Uh, and that's what's going on at baldmove.com. 
Uh, we start off with Tyrion waking to find himself horribly scarred and humiliated because his father has saved the day and he has also relieved him as Hand of the King. And Pycelle's being a real D-bag about it. Uh, Boy. Understandably. I, I kind of... I kind of like the moment where Pycelle flips in that coin and it's, says, it's, pay me for your services. Right. I mean, it's... Or it's for your troubles. Sauce for the goose is sauce yeah. for the gander. But, like, I guess... <laughs> I remember when we were talking this season up, we're like, oh, man, this is peak Tyrion. Because I thought, I thought that they had, they had put this whole thing, like, like, to the beginning of season three. Like, I thought maybe that they kept Tyrion's status as a... Um, I mean, I, I thought a lot of this was, like, opening for season three, which... You know, to be fair, most of the final episodes of Game of Thrones are essentially prologues for the next season. Right. Um, but, boy, it's the best of times is the worst of times. Like, as cool as it was to see him accost Grandmaster Pycelle and shave his beard, like, it's that bad. It's that much suck when he comes in, that smug mm-hmm. look of, like, oh, you have nothing, and I've got my hands back on the levers of power, and, you know, go get your sh- go get your shoebox. Go yep. get your shine box. Uh, it's 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 not cool. It's not cool. We don't even get to see you know Tyrion and Bronn stuff him into a trunk and stab <laughs> him to death. Like it's just it's just pure unanswered provocation, and there's nothing Tyrion can do about it. No. Um, and then the fact that he like makes a point of your father rode in to save the city. Like the 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 victors yeah. have won, and history is being written by them while Tyrion is recuperating on his bed. And, and that's he won't like, be remembered. <laughs> yeah, and that's what you get. Like even before Varys comes in to explain yeah. it for the, the the people that weren't keeping up, like this is it. This is Tyrion's shot at a legacy and something greater, and it's being taken from him systematically. Yeah, uh, and by his father, which is the extra slap in the face, right? Well, T- Tywin says he's all about dynasty right. and all about family, and yet he's going to claim this glory for himself. See, certainly. I don't. At this point, I'm. I'm not sure because I'm thinking, okay, Tyrion was the only one that's really on Tyrion's side. Mm-hmm. If you look at everybody else in a small council, like, you know, there again, this goes back to one of the things we talked about. Like, what if Tyrion wasn't as big of a dick about rubbing his power in people's faces? Mm-hmm. I, I probably they still would have taken the opportunity, but, you know, if, if, if Cersei and Pycelle and Varys and Littlefinger are greeting you know Tywin and 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 who who is going to stand stand up besides Varys and say your son was instrumental to the defense like we wouldn't have we yeah. wouldn't have you would have been too late had it not been for Tyrion's master plan and mm-hmm. also you might not have had enough men or whatever like i I, I don't know if it's if we know enough to say Tywin has done him dirty or whether Tywin was just acting on information that was self-serving and and inaccurate yeah, I mean, I'm mean, not saying that Tywin is purposely taking that, but he is going to get the credit. He's yeah, going to yeah, get yeah. all the credit for it. Right, from that stance, yes, his father's the one doing it. But yeah. I just wanted to put that little bit And you can bit see of... that later on. I mean, he's made Anne to the king, and oh, he's yeah. pronounced savior of the city. Like... Shitting on the... <laughs> he's literally shitting on the throne. He is, yeah. So let's talk about that. Tywin rides into the throne room on a shitting horse, where Joffrey <laughs> proclaims him savior of the city, hand of the king. Joffrey also gives Littlefinger Harrenhal, uh, which... It's interesting because Tyrion had promised him that um, in the Canary Trap right. that, that he set for him earlier on, and I don't think that was serious, but he ends up getting it anyway. I think it, I think it was serious. Um, 
I mean, Littlefinger showed very little interest in it, um, but right. he does get it here, and I think he's happy to have whatever he can get. Right. Um, I mean, it's like one of those things where you're giving away. First of, it's Harrenhal is interesting because it's it's a Riverland holding, so you're essentially you're giving away the possessions of one of the enemy houses, uh-huh. which is always fun. Uh, and secondly, it's got this reputation. Like, even though it's one of the wealthier lands and holdings, it's also got this reputation for being cursed. Yeah. Um, so it's like. It's a perfect thing to give the little finger because it's unlikely to lead to anything. It's, it's going to keep him wealthy and influential like he wants, but it's also not going to be something that he's going to build a dynasty of his own off of. <laughs> like, it, I think, I think, and plus, I, I think that the Taiwan rubber stamping that kind of gives. Uh, to me, I'm thinking that's like that's like Taiwan giving his blessing to the deal. Like, yeah, that was a good deal because Taiwan mm-hmm. doesn't honor. I wouldn't don't think he would honor the deals that that, that weren't good. Although he did also pay off the hill tribes. Yeah, because that might have been just easier way to get these violent, crazy people out of the capital. Like, okay, give them their steel and gold, their promise, and and, and send them on their way. Yeah, and he does owe he does owe them a debt. Yeah, certainly. And Lannisters, and Lannisters always pay their debts. Right. So I, I think. There is some sense of fairness within Tywin. Right. And if he promises something, gives his word, he's not going to go back on it. But. It's almost like even if Tyrion made an outrageous promise, like he would still be inclined to honor it because the Lannisters always pay their debts is is such a huge thing. Like, <laughs> you know, when you're dealing with when you're dealing with like diplomacy and foreign power, the ability to keep your word. Yeah. Is so fucking important, which is interesting when you think about it in terms of modern day like like the only thing a nation has it in is as far as political capital is the fact that it can make a deal mm-hmm. doesn't matter if it's a good deal bad deal whatever make a deal and live by the terms of the agreement because else next time you want to make a good or bad or whatever deal yeah. the other nation sitting across you is like well fuck you this, there's no this... incentive for them to believe you yeah yeah um, and there's every incentive for them to backstab you exactly so yeah and Taiwan understands that because he's he's a, he's a smart ruler yep um, so there's some talk uh, about what's proper in the eyes of the gods and the people, and Joffrey decides to set aside Sansa and marry Marjorie instead at Loras's request. Man, this is such a fucking <laughs> bunch of bullshit. Sansa is relieved, but Littlefinger counsels against thinking that Joffrey is through with her, and he offers to take her home, but she turns him down. <sighs> this, I mean, this is just theater. And not course, particularly yeah. good theater at that. No. And and Joffrey is the worst. Yes. So, <laughs> I mean, like, oh, like, oh, I can't, I can't set aside, aside my, my betrothed. And Pycelle's like, actually, YOLO. Uh, <laughs> the High Septon has found that uh, there is support for your only live once in, uh-huh. in, this, in the, the books, Your Majesty. <laughs> and I like this, like, Sansa's kind of uncertain, but she, she thinks, oh, okay, this is, this is going to be given, this is going to be me getting what I want. And then Littlefinger comes in there to start mind-fucking her. I like the line yeah. that, like, when she said, you know, she she defaults back to the towing the party line that's impressed Tyrion so much. Mm-hmm. And Littlefinger's like, yeah, we're all liars here, and every one of us is better than you. Yep. Like, he's the first one to be like, Looks, listen, child, you might think you're being brave and clever, but we all, like, all of us see what's actually going on. Mm-hmm. Um, I think she he might be the first character that, kept, that has actually publicly caught her in a lie and told her you're not all that. Right. And that bothers her, as it should. Yeah, it should. Um, it shows that he, he is correct. Uh, and that's the thing. Littlefinger has, in my opinion, masterfully coordinated this whole thing, right? I mean, from getting uh, 
from getting Jamie headed back to King's Landing to getting um, Marjorie married to the king, uh, or or at least betrothed to the king, that a lot of this has happened at Littlefinger's uh, at, at Littlefinger's behest. Yeah, um, he's the guy pushing this forward, and I think you know that Tywin giving him Harrenhal is certainly an acknowledgement of that. But I think you've got to consider where Littlefinger is coming from. And when he tells Sansa that everyone here is better at lying than her, he's got to be saying that this is part of a longer game right. that he's playing. You right. know, he doesn't do these things because he really loves the Lannisters. Right. He does them to get ahead. And I don't think Hall, certainly from what we've seen of his discussion with Tyrion, is his ultimate goal. No, but it is like his first thing. Like Littlefinger yeah. is called Littlefinger because he comes from the poorest of the poor tracts of land called the Fingers that are on the east coast of, of Westeros. Like it's it's barren and rocky and windswept and it's not great for crops. You can maybe make a meager living raising sheep there, but it's it's like he's the little finger because he's the he's he's from the, the most minor house from the fingers. Mm-hmm. And now he owns one of the most wealthiest. Like this is the first He's made money flipping gold dragons and collecting interest and and leveraging the shit out of it and doing all the things that the banks got destroyed a couple years back for uh, in real life. Yeah, the prostitution. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Uh, (laughs) And now he's got his own thing. Like, he can generate wealth by his own accord, and Mm -hmm. that's, you know, a a dangerous man like Littlefinger. It's a a dangerous thing to have. Yeah, it's a step in the right direction for him. Um, So then we go over to... Actually... Why, why do you think Cersei lets Sansa off the hook here, I guess? Because she's making the case that uh, Joffrey doesn't have to marry Sansa. Oh, I just think that this is a much, like... I, I think she's like, leaning like, into the larger plan. Yeah. But she seemed... The Tyrells are a much better... Like, the Starks are all sure. but extinct. And if they yeah. get, if if the Lannisters win, they probably will be. So, like, yeah. there's no influence, there's nothing. But that where... doesn't seem like a Cersei thing to me. That seems very much like a Tywin coming in, laying down oh, the law, and yeah, saying, yeah. Okay. you must do this, and I don't care if it offends you because you want to stick it to, to Sansa. Yeah, I don't know that he had to twist her arm that much. I, I think she probably didn't see the deal there, and he's like, this is the new deal, and you need to get on board. And she's like, yeah, okay, fine. Yeah. Um, because, like, I don't know, like, making Joffrey marry Sansa is pretty pretty small beer when it comes to revenge plots. Yeah. Especially like uh, Littlefinger points out, they can just keep her at court and abuse the shit out of her, mm-hmm. um, and and still get all the the awesome wealth and and power from the, the from the Tyrell alliance. That's true. All right, so Varys visits Roz, who tries to seduce him until she discovers who he is. <laughs> uh, he offers to make her a partner in some venture targeted at Littlefinger, which I don't think we are supposed to understand exactly what it is. Yeah, I mean Varys is off balance here. He doesn't he doesn't he's he's kind of the odd man out. Yeah. He backed the wrong horse mm-hmm. and now he's looking for ways to shore up his political weaknesses and get back on top with the constant rivalry he sen- seems to have with Littlefinger. Uh-huh. Cuz they're they're both they're they're both the same. Like they both came from nothing. They have no obvious advantages except for their wits, you know. And they're trying to make the most of it. And uh, Varys doesn't want to doesn't want to go into season three. <laughs> he's he knows season three's coming up. and He's got nothing. He's got no, he's got no no irons in the fire. He's got to get an iron in the fire. That's right. His his best friend has just been completely removed from power. So he's not going to get any help there. His nose was almost cut cut off despite the Lannister face. 
one of my all-time favorite Varys moments is this look he gives when Roz grabs his crotch. Just this, like, this eyebrow. <laughs> right. It's like, like a very Spock when McCoy's giving him shit about his his uh-huh. his, his uh, green-blooded Vulcan ways. Oh, it's incredible. I laughed out loud. I watched this <laughs> twice and both times. It yeah. got me. Yeah, it's, it's pretty good. Uh, so Brienne and Jamie come upon three corpses swinging from a tree. Brienne starts to take them down, but three men come across them and they ask what they're doing. Unfortunately, one of them recognizes Jamie and Brienne has to kill all three of them. Yep. Uh, this is a nice little thumbnail sketch of why it sucks to be a to, to be a woman in Westeros. Uh-huh. Uh, you know they lay with lions like Jamie puts out a pretty compelling case of probably what happened here. Mm-hmm. Like like these women confronted with a band of armed. For okay, let's break down all the bullshit things that are wrong with the scene. These women they're confronted with an armed band of Lannisters. Mm-hmm. They can either be raped. And killed, or maybe they can they can they can come onto the Lannisters and survive this the encounter, and then be killed by their own. Then their when they do Northmen. that, like the, the 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 shit that they didn't see happening to them as their own men, yeah. like not taking pity on them, but calling them whores and hanging them, and mm-hmm. and you know apparently gang raping one of them to death. Uh, it's 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 a, it's a real shit real shit choice to make. Yeah, not to mention the scene starts off with Jamie teasing Bran about being and, this big beastly woman who's fighting off all the men yeah. and no one's strong enough to, to pin her down. Like, I mean, yeah, I mean, sometimes this stuff is finessed really well because, like, the way they stage that with him, you know, mocking her about having sex with her and making you feel like a real woman, and then they turn the right. corner and there are three quote-unquote real women swinging from the trees. Like, yeah. I'm pretty sure Brienne knows what it's like to be... <laughs> a real woman if she didn't like we get to see like firsthand like that face she makes when the guys just bust out laughing at her like that like just kind of like closing her eyes and counting to 10 that's the mm-hmm. face of a person that's just met that reaction countless times throughout their life like yeah. mocked by people that are inferior to you mm-hmm. in any axis you want like character fighting prowess honor wealth position and like like you know it's like they're just these guys are just fucking assholes and she has to she has to put up with it or not she can just kill him well yeah (laughs) she ends up doing what she does when Uh, they when they when they make a move on her yeah because that's the thing like the yeah she'll do it to protect her mission but like you Uh know it's it's easier just to let the slings and arrows i guess um slough off of you you know you can tell that the anger that she must carry all, you know, her entire life comes out when she finally has to kill these guys. And the last one, she's she dispatches the first two with that much effort, and then the other one, she she says, yeah. you know, two quick deaths, uh-huh. and then just slowly guts this guy. Well, if I was going to kill Axl Rose, I'd probably do it slowly. <laughs> that that uh, Chinese looks, democracy era looks just like it, man. Axl Rose, sure. Yeah. I can see that. Something about this dude's face. I don't know. For the first time, I think Jamie is slightly impressed by Brianna Tarth. Yeah. That look on his face when, when she takes care of business, uh, he he's he it sobers him up pretty quick. Yeah, at the beginning of the fight, he's all like, cut me loose so the, so that I can fight them if need right, be. Right, right. No, no, there's no need for that. And this is the first time that he's really seen her go to work, too. Yeah. Because, like, I've, you know, Kat saw her worth and beating uh, loris's ass but jamie Mm -hmm. hasn't yep i'm kind of surprised jamie hasn't heard of her now that i mention it hmm because like you know like like if if a i mean the tarth is not like a great house 
but it is a noble house, mm-hmm. and that one of his one of one of the the Tarth daughters is this like giant warrior woman. You'd think would would spread around either it would derision or just like the the freakish novelty of it. Yeah, but you'd think so. Maybe she's got to practice with somebody. Maybe it says a lot about what Jamie like. Jamie's just like doesn't give a shit. Like yeah, you know, if he hasn't been to Tarth, he doesn't even know it exists. He's just that self absorbed. Could be. All right, Catelyn lectures Rob on how stupid it is to forego his marriage to the Frey girl in favor of Talisa. She tells him that Ned and her didn't love each other when they got married, but they grew into it, and maybe that'll happen with the Frey girl. Rob is not interested in her counsel for various reasons. A, he wants to marry Talisa. Right. (laughs) And B, she's just betrayed him. Right. She has no moral high. And that's the tragedy of it, right? Right. She's saying really intelligent things, but... She's already proved herself to be untrustworthy. and Exactly. And this is the sucks. truth. Like, we talked about, uh, and that's the thing, like, it's really hard to talk about the previous betrayal without this because, yeah, in isolation you can say, well, maybe the camp descends into savagery or whatever. Um, you know, maybe this happens, maybe that happens. But she can never give Rob counsel again, and Rob needs good counsel. Like, Rob doesn't have, like, a really solid hand. Like, you know, you've seen his bannermen. They're all a bunch of reactionary, you know, testosterone-filled jackasses for the most part. Mm-hmm. He needs someone like his mother that can give him that that leal counsel that you're always wanting from, a, like, a hand or an advisor. And, you know, she fucking yeah. did something. And, that, that's, and, again, the tragedy is there's no possible way her plan would have worked. To give Jamie back, in, she would never gotten her daughters. Her like, yeah. like on, honestly, no letting way. the camp devolve into a little bit of savagery and letting the little, li- like that would have been the better play mm-hmm. in the long term. But I don't know. Yeah, it's... I mean, Catelyn here. I don't know. I view Rob Stark very much the same way I view Stannis Baratheon, in that he's a really excellent military commander, right? But he's shit when it comes to his emotions yeah and also uh, it's a different side of the coin right like right. stannis is all buttoned up and and doesn't even want to acknowledge that he has emotions right rob is kind of the other way around right. like he's very prone to just living off his emotions but right they're both really brilliant military commanders just shit at the politics and that's right. where his mom comes in but you just He's not taking her advice, and she's done. She's made a couple bad decisions, right? Um, and and the other thing I, I kept kept stri- striking me is like just how young Rob is, yeah. and like I was going on this mission to save my dad, mm-hmm. and I can't do that anymore. So like literally every drop of blood I spill now, like my mom gave away the one thing that we might have been able to get my sisters back. So every drop of blood I spill now is just kind of for this weird philosophical point around honor and justice. Like I could march my friend, I could march my family back home and live with my castle. And like, he just is this, he doesn't have any passion for this. He's like just really bummed out and you know, damn it. He's going to have a little bit of happiness. Like I didn't get that, you know, (laughs) I I didn't get to really grow up and sow my wild oats. And like, then you forced me in this marriage with the Lord world of fray. And now you've shown this like grievous lack of judgment. And I'm wondering if even that was necessary. I trusted you. Like there's a lot Mm -hmm. of like bitterness and anger to, to all this that I think comes out in the performance and, and and when you look at it, but yeah, he's just a he's just a kid. Yeah. He's just a kid and this is a bummer. This is this this sucks now. Speaking of the other side of the Stannis coin, uh Stannis <laughs> is pissed at himself for trusting Melisandre. Uh they're back at, at Dragonstone. Is that where they are? Yeah. I think they made it back there. 
Uh, he's ashamed of the things he's done in the name of the Lord of Light. And Melisandre makes yet more promises about his future, but it's not really convincing to Stannis. So Melisandre shows him something in the flames, which appears to to impress Stannis. Yeah, in some she, way. She, she slips some LSD into his, him. To, into his wine. Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, I guess this I, is a great scene. It is a great. I, scene. I really like this scene a lot. Do you think? Do you think uh, with no knowledge um, of the future? Do you think that she's tricking him? Uh, or bewitch because I always got the impression that maybe she's bewitching him. Because bewitching him, okay. why? Why wouldn't she have shown the fl- him the flames? Like if you could show him the flames and this guy's super skeptical, why wouldn't you do that from the get go? Like have this it, is have the, it in your back pocket, I th- guess. This I is the, yeah. This is the trick you play when when you're you're in the situation where the person's a, this. It's the scam you play when they're about to back out of the deal. The uh-huh. mark is about to back out of the deal. Yeah. Uh. I don't know. Um, I guess there is obviously magic at play here, so it's certainly possible that she is putting some kind of spell on him Yeah. Um, to control him. But at the same time, Stannis seems very much out of her control in this scene, too, uh, for, for at least a moment, right? I mean, mm-hmm. he puts his hands around her throat, and he could have choked her to death here. Um, th- that's a funny thing about prophecy, right? If you've seen prophecy and you believe prophecy... Right. Uh you're kind of on autopilot and nothing you do matters at all unless there's some part of the prophecy that you need to fulfill personally. Right. But if Stannis is the guy, just let it, let whatever happen. And I feel like she does that here when she's got, you know, uh, Stannis has her hands, his hands around her throat and she just kind of lets go. Right. Right. And she says, okay, this is going to be what it is. And if this is where I die, this is where I die. But I know it leads him down the path that I've seen. Plus she defeats him with an act of her own uh, demonstration of her own faith. Right, right. Um, that she's willing to die for her cause, and therefore Stannis should be too. Or I'm so trusting in in what yeah. that what I've seen in the fire about you being the one that either my death here is mm-hmm. serving to that, or you're not going to kill me. Exactly. Either way, I'm I'm fine with it, and that kind of kind of wins him over. Yeah, I feel like she should just be roasting marshmallows on a fire if like this prophecy <laughs> is going to just carry itself out, right? Right. Well, I mean, that's a, I think you you pegged it where it's like there's things that are destined and there's things that are prophesied and like depending on how you interpret it, those are like it's an unbreakable chain of causality that you can't get out of. But then mm-hmm. there's others that require you to have faith, like. You need to go to war and put yourself out there in a battlefield and risk death, but the prophecy is that you'll win. Yeah. So it's like it's an it's a de facto act of faith to show up. Yeah. I I just wish there would have been a little more discussion from Stannis' side about how he does feel strung along here. You know? He he does feel like, okay, every time we get a step back or the prophecy seems to have gone unfulfilled, right. you just come up with new bullshit. To keep me stringing, keep stringing me along. I mean, he did. There, there's a little he bit. He says you promise and you promise, but you I don't know. know. Like, yeah, I don't know how much more they could they could have done that without it starting to look like he's harping on the point. Because you know what, I, you I guess the, want the wording look, didn't do it for me. But I, yeah. I don't know that you want Stannis to look weak or indecisive or afraid too, because that's not sure. like he 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 could be angry. I mean, he maybe can, he should be after this battle though. Yeah, maybe. I mean, he's just had his troops decimated he you know as he points out he killed his brother what for right like that was like but that was a major victory but now it's like fairly hollow because yeah he took all that and literally set it on fire Mm -hmm. 
yeah, uh, I don't know, really good scene. So we go on to Theon, who's sitting in Winterfell. <laughs> Another pretty good scene. He's listening to the world's most annoying hornblower. Uh, Maester Lewin explains siege tactics to him that he already understands. And Theon whines about being a prisoner of the Starks for his entire childhood and not having the support of his father. Uh, Lewin tells him, hey, you can escape through the secret passages uh, and you can join the Night's Watch. And he decides, nah, I'm not going to do that. Instead, he gives his men a pretty inspiring speech, which results in him being knocked out and his men surrendering. And they also kill Maester Lewin in the process or jab him, jab him with the spear. Yeah, I mean, that's that's something you give like there again. Uh, this is this is Theon's kind of. It feels like Theon's last chance to turn things around mm-hmm. and 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 try to find a noble way. And he's too afraid. I think I, I think he would have gone had not had he known that Jon Snow's not up there. Okay. The yeah. the going to Jon Snow, who he's kind of like, if you recall, like in the first season, he was kind of a dick to John. Like not yeah. like openly, but like you know the fact that he. I think if you put these this conversation together, he probably enjoyed the fact that there was someone at the castle that might have been a lower status than even he. Yeah, like he he is aware that he's a hostage and he's a, he's this he's this prisoner, but he's got to scrape and be thankful and and also like that's probably a lot to take in for a child. The fact that you are this hostage and a prisoner, but like your prisoners are good guys. Mm-hmm. And like you know, and you're still of noble birth, right? And you should, have, you should be proud of, yeah, yeah. So like, I, I feel like going to the Night's Watch. I don't think he thinks that John would kill him. I think he's worried that John would just always look at him like you're a piece of shit, and he would never be able to forget that he's like most guys go to the black, and they can just like. Whatever you did yeah. down south is forgotten, and you can be whatever you want, but there's one guy in the wall that's always going to know what a huge piece of shit you are. <laughs> you never can run from it. Yeah, it's like if your dad was at the wall, right? Right. <laughs> like if Jorah went up there, yeah. and Gior is the right. commander. That's a great, yeah, yeah, uh-huh. Uh, yeah. Yeah, and, and your dad, yeah, that's a really good, uh, probably another example of why Jorah fled rather than taking the black, because, oh shit, who yeah. wants to live in a constant state of, like, it's like a doghouse <laughs> you can never get out of, uh-huh. on pain of death. Yep. Um, but it's his last chance to try to do something noble with his life, and again, another fundamental misunderstanding. This is the speech you give to the Starks. When they have to stand mm-hmm. between their house and extinction. This is not the speech you give to Iron Islanders. Yeah. They don't want to fucking die for your stupid ass. Like, like his sister, Yara, tried to tell him this. His fa- father tried to tell him this. Dagmar tried to f- tell him this. They're not going to fucking die for your dumb ass. Mm-hmm. Like, that's not... That that's not their their Iron Islander way. So even it's if a great you had speech, been there, it's, yeah. it's to the wrong wrong type of person. And I feel like it's at the wrong time too. Like you're gonna get these guys all hyped up, and then there's gonna be three more hours of sitting on your ass waiting for the attack, or four more months right. of them sieging you inside your castle. Like right, I think he was gonna ride. Wasn't he gonna like ride out to meet them, or like he he was? He, I don't know. He couldn't. This 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 fucking horn was was really getting to him. <laughs> it it's the telltale horn, for sure. Uh, okay, let's move on to various. So we mentioned Lewin getting stabbed in the guts. Yeah. Okay, because he got uh, totally stabbed in the guts. He did I, stab, twist, rip. Stab. That was that was pretty shocking. Mm-hmm. I kind of thought, I th- I kind of thought the old man might make it out. Because again, the maester stays at the castle. There's no, right. there's no. That's like you know, fucking. 
uh, breaking all the mirrors in the castle before you leave it. It's just, it's just. Uh, I thought Winterfell would make it out, but it doesn't appear so. Oh like, man, Winterfell is raised, man. Yeah, it's that's uh, that's a real hard scene. It's, it's a beautiful one where they're all they're all leaving the castle, and you can see Winterfell just in ruins and smoking yeah. behind. It's it's uh, not great, not great, Bob. Yeah, funny in a. You know, this is the scene where Theon says, oh, I thought this, I saw this place and I thought it's been here for thousands of years. It will continue to be here for thousands of years. Mm-hmm. In this very same episode where it's burned, not quite to the ground, right. but as much as you can burn a castle burn, to the ground. Burn a stone castle. <laughs> yeah. Right, 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 right. Uh, I thought that was fairly ironic. All right, we go over to Varys um, showing up at Tyrion's place with news that Cersei tried to kill him on the battlefield. He also says that Bran and the Hills tribesmen have left him. Uh, then he surprises Tyrion with a visit from Shay, and she unbandages his scarred face and tells him they need to leave before he's killed, but he can't bring himself to leave the life he's become accustomed to, and she decides she's going to stay with him as well. Uh, what do you think of this Shay scene? It's not bad as far as Shay scenes go. Yeah. I just again, like I, you know, we got another passionate defense of Shay this week, and I, I, <laughs> I, logically, I don't doubt the words they say. It's just I think it comes down to the execution, the acting, and the like. Like to buy, to make a character like this compelling, I think you have to have a a plus on all those, and like we're not even getting C minus on on some of them. Um, yeah. So I, it just kind of rings, it just kind of rings hollow to me. Uh, yeah, I, I do think that this is another good Shay scene and I find myself saying that more often than I expected in season two. Mm. So I don't know if it's like stuff that happens later on, maybe that I, that made me dislike Shay so much, but, um, it's kind of irrational. I, I, I want to say there isn't a great reason why I hate Shay, but it comes down to something that. I just have this visceral dislike of her, I, very much in the same too. way that Tyrion has this connection to her. Right? Yeah. You can't say at the same time like, "Oh, Jim and Aaron, why are you, why do you not like Shay?" Because Tyrion, you have all the logical reasons in the world to not get involved with Shay. Right. And it, when it comes down to it, it's irrational and it's silly. But do you, do you mind if I just read this email right now? Because it's like, it, yeah, it, let's do it. It it, 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 take, it cuts to the heart of this discussion. Um, it's Leah W. Uh, she says, I respect you not liking her character personally, but her character makes a lot of sense if you look at her as a woman who's gone through trauma and has an unhealthy worldview that stems from that. Hmm. She's traveled far from her home country and refuses to talk about her past, even with Tyrion. I think it's clear that she ran away from a bad situation back home, like, for example, an abusive family. She doesn't take the danger Tyrion warns her about seriously because, one, she's been through so much that she has an unrealistic sense of her own ability to make through anything on her own as evidenced <laughs> by the knife during the battle of the blackwater which i think is it's good because lee is not saying that's a sane reaction that right. i want to fight off literally every rat r- raping soldier that comes through those gates it's mm-hmm. more of like a magical like i've got this knife and somebody's gonna come at me and i'm gonna go out stabbing kind of thing mm-hmm. and two on some level she welcomes the risk and danger and self-harm in a way that depressed traumatic traumatized people who don't value their life very much and wants some, some sort of self-destructive thrill hmm. sorry i had a hard time getting that sentence out I think we're supposed to understand that Tyrion, in turn, in addition to the reasons you point out regarding his father, loves her because she is a broken thing, as he would like to say, as he says. Her hmm. defense of the younger Sansa makes sense in this context, too. Um, so, I 
I agree with this. Like, I think that, like, you know, Tyrion says, I have a soft spot for bastards, cripples, and broken things. Mm-hmm. And Shay is kind of presenting as, as this, this broken thing. I just, I have a visceral, like, like, I think it's super easy and cheap to be there in, like, big moments, like big splashy shows of affection, big speeches or saying, like, you know, when 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 they're like right here, here's a situation where there's real disagreement. She's saying, I don't want to stay here because this you tell me how crazy danger it is. You've you've you fought. You've lost. This isn't something you're good at. Let's get the hell out of here and do the things we are good at drinking and fucking. And he says, I got to stay here to be happy. And instead of continuing the argument at a deeper level, which we've seen her be getting in these petty, shouty arguments all season long, she just simply said, okay, you're right. We'll do that. Like, to me, Mm -hmm. that's super easy. The hard thing is day-to-day, like, living with the decision you make, and that's what she kind of sucks at. Yeah, you're right. But again, that's just me being annoying. That's just me being annoyed at people who have fucking damage. Uh-huh. And if 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 I don't personally like the character, like again, if she's if they cast Roz in this and gave her a little <laughs> bit more dialogue, uh-huh. uh, a little bit better dialogue, I might like just be like completely fine with it. Mm-hmm. I just don't like this version of Shay. Okay, I think I think you're entitled to that opinion. I hope so. I hope so. But uh-huh. I, again, I'm not. I don't. I don't think it's it's universally true. Obviously, everything I've read about the Double Ds and even Martin himself, they fucking love this version of the character. So, <laughs> okay. like, I'm arguing with the god of the universe when I say, uh-huh. "Yeah, this Garden of Eden sucks, man. Like, why'd you make it an apple, not a pear or a pineapple? Like, like, I'm, it's <laughs> like I'm pissing up a rope. But it is my opinion. So, uh, okay, th- there's. A little bit of Varys stuff here too. Um, Varys essentially says we can't be friends anymore to Tyrion. Yeah, uh, and and takes off. All the cool kids are going to make fun of me if I keep hanging out with you. Yeah. This, this this scar, it's not going to be cool. Pretty much, this is this is the transition from middle school to high school for them. And this is so. This is the this is the this is essentially the speech that Varys gave to Ned. Like, yeah, I'm your friend and I like you, but. I'm not going down for you. Yeah. Like, I I think that's just the definition of friend in King's Landing. Like, Ned didn't get that because he's not well, from King's Landing. Tyrion certainly does like, get it. I think, I think Varys would do something if what he could do would be effective and within his right. means. Yeah. But Nobody's going to stick up with you just for affection. Like, if Varys was Jamie, he might fucking mm-hmm. fight his way out of with the Red Keep with Tyrion in tow and, and, and set him up shop somewhere and, you know, break. But yeah. he's, he's not. Like, he can do what he can do, and he can't do those things if he's dead or in a prison or in the political outs. Right. So, I mean, long term, the best thing that Varys can do from the realm and even Tyrion is to, like, distance himself and, and build up his political capital and do this plan with Roz or whatever and, and get back on his feet. And then maybe he'll next time he's needed, he'll be in a place where he can actually do something. Yeah. And the, the gesture here of bringing Shay right. to him, I think is the thing that says, look, I am actually your friend. Totally. Um, but, but, and Tyrion understands all of this, but and it's, that's the it's thing a I bitter like pill Tyrion. to swallow. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Cause, cause Tyrion has nobody. I mean, he doesn't just come, with the news that I can't be your friend, but Braun can't be your friend. Right. The tribesmen have left. Nobody's your friend. Right. You're, uh, you're here's fucked. the one friend you have left, Shay. Uh-huh. And she thinks you're a mess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she told me, like, oh, God, his face. <laughs> no. Uh, okay, next scene. Rob marries Talisa. Boom. There you go. That's Boom. the whole thing. Yep. Uh, I don't 
care to talk much about this. This is a traditional not a, not Stark every day wedding. You get to see someone commit political suicide in, in real life. No, it's not. Like it's it's uh, uh, it's, it, the, it's 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 Rob Stark and Bud Dyer, right? That's it, the guy. Was, that's the hey hey man, nice shot guy. Oh, is it? That was real know. and political suicide all at the same mm. time. Yeah, this is uh, it's a beautiful suicide. The the ceremony here is very nice, but mm-hmm. I wonder how many how many nerds do you think have had the the uh, Faith of the Seven wedding? Uh, more than should. Yeah, how about that. Like I I'm, I bet the numbers in the mid thousands. You know, I'm not going to judge it. I'm not going to judge it either. Judge it. It's do what you want. It's your fucking day. Sure, if right. both of you think like Game of Thrones is the awesomest thing in the world, and that's what we want. Right. Like, people throw rice at weddings. I'm not going to talk shit if you're... Yeah. I'm just saying, like, I think it's interesting that, like... I don't... I don't... It, it's... It says something interesting about the human race, that our customs are so malleable that we can do... Re, we can make real-life vows based on fictional ones. Uh-huh. Uh, and, you know, we can we can throw ice, or if we're afraid of the bird's exp- stomach exploding, we can blow bubbles, or we can fucking do flower bombs, or whatever the hell the, the cool new shit is. Uh-huh. Or we can get married to a fake religion, and, and and that's 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 uh that's nice. It's fine by me. All right, Danny goes inside the house of the Undying, where she hears her dragons calling out to her. Uh, this is the scene where uh, this really cool effect of them walking around this tower and her disappearing was mm-hmm. um, pretty short scene though. Um, she's just going inside without them, and then we go over to Arya and company running into Jacken who invites her to come back with him and learn the ways of the Faceless Men in order to start checking those names off her list. Uh, she says she can't because she needs to find her family. And so he gives her a coin and tells her, uh, give this coin to any man from Bravos and say Valor Morghulis, and they'll take him to her. Wait, other way around. Take her to him. Mm-hmm. He's not leaving. He's not getting out of his chair. <laughs> but they'll take her to him. Uh, and before leaving, Jacken changes his face, which is pretty interesting pretty sweet so i gotta before we talk i gotta you know again keep in mind this non-spoiler podcast i have to i have to speak up for serial pharrell truthers okay and that i think i detect a significant or or a significant sparkle in jackin's eye when she mentions my water dancer is from bravos she does shit all or she he does shit all over the the water dancers. Oh, no, he he's says like, it's, oh, to it's be one a thing to be. Thing. Yeah, it's one thing to be a water dancer, but to be a faceless man, something else entirely. Yeah, but I feel like that could be interpreted as Yoda going from the weird Muppet who's stealing your candy bars and your flashlights to you know he he has no, to to being the Jedi Master. Like like hmm. it's it's one it's like yeah being you know like like I, I don't know it's all from a certain point of view bullshit. And again, <laughs> this is this is raving serial Pharrell truther talk. Uh, but if you want to see some some hints that maybe those two characters are are are, are connected, this combined with the fact that he just fucking changes his face at the yeah. end of the scene is some pretty bloody red meat to be thrown. Okay, I'm just saying. So, so you're implying the, 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 the truth is Jack and Agar, okay, yes. yeah, yeah, and he never died, never died. All right, did not die mm. to that fucking oaf. Kicked Marin Trance, kicked Marin Trance, with a wooden sword. With no, with any of the three steel swords from this, the armored soldiers he already dispatched with said wood sword. With a stump of a wooden sword, just, just I think picks up a him. sword off the ground and fucking hands this guy's ass, and but doesn't kill him. I don't know why he doesn't kill him. Yeah, 
Just Not just sure. so that his legend grows. His name wasn't on the list. And man and, and Sir Man and Mor- he, or is it? No, it's Marin Trant. Sir Marin Trant is not going to be the type of guy to be like, oh yeah, the guy totally handed me his ass. He was essentially unarmed. <laughs> I had I had a four to one advantage. I'm the, well, I'm a king's guardian, and he fucking handed me my ass. He's not the type of guy yeah. to, to 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 volunteer that information. <laughs> All right, raving raving truther talk over. Uh, cool. Do we have anything else we want to talk about the scene? Uh, I don't know. I, I'm trying to like ponder the logistics of. It. Anyone in Bravos getting this coin? Anyone from Bravos? Not even in Bravos. Anyone from Bravos getting this coin and this phrase and knowing what to do with it? Like, what if I can't imagine a thing that like, oh, it's it's Ohioans, you know, uh, the, those Buckeye State people. You go up to them and you say, uh, "Hootay," and mm-hmm. and give them a fucking Bengals cap, <laughs> and they'll whisk you off to some. And we will give you a a, a three way. Chili cheese spaghetti. <laughs> right. <laughs> plate. By a BOGO <laughs> chili cheese spaghetti plate at Skyline. I don't right. know. Uh, I just, I can't imagine it, but I guess that's why it's a fictional universe. Well, I'm trying to think of like, if there was this thing that it's, it's, I guess it's kind of like, like a challenge coin that they have like and i guess it's something armed services where like you get for special things or if you're in a certain unit you get this thing and then like if you present it it can make it like in the right place or time it gets you like a no question mm-hmm. answered drink or like like masons like you know that, that they got this that's, like if you got a mason thing, ring yeah. or you got the secret handshake like even if you don't know a person it's like this is code for like all other considerations are this. I'm now going to treat this guy like a brother for no damn good reason. Oh, yeah, no, I understand that. But the whole point of a secret society is to be secret. And if your category is so broad as to be anyone from this place at all. Well, maybe it's the fact that like this, like it's well known no in Bravos that if you if you if you get this coin and mm-hmm. you do this task, that you'll be handsomely re- rewarded. OK, I think it's more like that. It's kind of like that that sort of deal. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I mean, it'd be cool if we had more, like... We need to start one for Bald Move. Yeah. It'd be like... The thing is, is like, the thing is, is you have to trust your faceless men not to hand these coins out just to any random Joe Blow, because yeah. that's that's how you get in trouble if the, the, the coin becomes devalued. <laughs> right. You don't want to dilute your, your no, coin No, you don't value. want... You, you want to have a sizable reward. That's a real... Obli- you don't want to plate of spaghetti with, with shitty cinnamon-flavored meat water poured all over mm. it. I don't care how much cheese and onions is on it. All right, we go to... That's right, Cincinnati. I hate your chili. Come at me. <laughs> Been living here five years, and I fucking hate it. All right. Yeah, same here. Uh, so, Braun and company come out from... Or, Braun, Bran, sorry, and company. This is why. This is why I hate these names. Mm-hmm. Bran and company come out from hiding to see Winterfell abandoned and in ruins. Uh, they find Maester Lewin dying by a weirwood tree, and he tells Bran to head north to the wall. And when the boys leave, Maester Lewin has Asha kill him. Kill him with her own knife. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know what else to say about this. I kind of already, you know, talked about what Theon said about it being around for thousands of years and it's getting a, burned in the same episode. Yeah, it's it's a it's a great scene because, like, I've always had a soft spot for Maester Lewin and, like, him get, doing the boys right one last time and talking about how he pulled them into this world and it's such a pleasure and an honor to have served them um i think that was cool and then his earnest plea to asha to protect them and she's even from her own kind and she says i don't have much love for my own kind i'm like that's interesting like i wouldn't have suspected that from the first time we've met her Mm -hmm. 
Um, then she gives him a merciful death, but that that scene of them coming out into the the hillside and 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 walking out and leaving Winterfell and heading north is is gorgeous as as gorgeous as any, but more forlorn than most. Yeah, uh, most time when they have those kind of like really beautiful shots, they're like some kind of awe and majesty, and this is just sad. These are two boys fleeing from their home uh, under threat of death, and it's been set on fire by their half brother, mm-hmm. who turned out to be a real fucking dick and their mentor has been killed and their mentor was just killed in front of them yeah yeah <laughs> it's <a> pretty <laughs> bad scene and they're just boys uh-huh. they're just boys yeah that, that's the thing like one day they will realize they'll have that moment of realization where they say oh shit maester lewin died under that tree you know he wasn't going to be just fine and i wonder when that day will be i i imagine it's probably already here for bran mm. potentially right uh Rickon, though, Rickon's a different story. He's pretty young. You're right. Like, these kids are a little bit more uniquely traumatized than Arya and and Sansa because, like, if Arya and Sansa ever make it back to Winterfell, they're back home, right? Yeah. They were spared all this. But, like, Bran and and Rickon have lived through the sack of their home and, and all these terrible things and seeing people that they love and respect, like... Uh, Sir Roderick and Master Lewin and get just get brutalized and destroyed. Like it will it ever feel like home for them? Yeah, and that's kind of like I guess with it being on fire and them running for their lives, it's kind of like <laughs> hammers that point home. Sure. All right, we go to Danny. She's still searching for her dragons, and she sees a vision of King's Landing and the throne room there in ruins with snow falling through the open ceiling, or perhaps ash. Uh I looked like snow to me. I, I it was melting on her. I agree, so. but that that's if you want to get contemporary, there's a pretty raging debate about whether that was misdirection. We're supposed to understand that King's Landing was burnt up by dragons or some shit, or because <laughs> okay. like you know, it's like pick your apocalyptic future. Is it the is it the others coming and you know bringing the snow and like ever? It's just you got a land full of ice zombies, or is it Danny the conquering mm-hmm. fire? Like this is what she's going to have to do to get the red. She's going to have to burn it to the ground to. I'm going with snow since ash doesn't melt, but <laughs> did, it, just did me. you see it melt? Yeah, yeah, you can totally see it. What? When did it melt? On her hands, on oh. her cloak, on her hair. You can see it. Did melting. they actually have a close up of her catching one and it melting? Not catching, but they showed close ups of her hands, certainly, and the ice or snow melting. Okay. Well, then those ash people need to fuck right <laughs> off. Yeah. I need to go back five years, record that podcast, and say, fuck off. We got melting <laughs> snow. Ash doesn't melt. Uh, but like you said, maybe it's a misdirection. Uh, so she hears dragons calling and walks through a gate, which leads her north of the wall. She finds a tent there, which contains Drogo and her baby. And she is enormously glad to see them, but realizes it's not real. So she goes to look for her dragons. And she finds him in a chamber where the purple lip guy binds her in shackles. Fortunately, her dragons incinerate the warlock, and she's released from her imprisonment. Maybe they should have split this up with, like, a couple other scenes. Because, like, yeah, just all this happens, and it feels like it's... Like, I, I was really getting into the different visions she was seeing. And then she walks out of the tent, and that's it. And then it re- instantly resolves, and we're, like, half... We still have, yeah. you know, we're at the, what, two-third mark? It did feel episode. like an ending for an episode, certainly. Right. Yeah. And maybe they had just a lot of fucking, because, like, you know, uh, there's a lot of beats where, mm-hmm. like, like, Ari, like, 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 you go to the previous scene of Arya with Jacken. Like, that's so damn exciting, the idea of, like, Arya becoming this little murder machine. Yep. Um, 
and and the, this is a secret that that could have been the end of the episode. The boys with the forlorn Stark music leaving Winterfell could have been the end episode. Uh-huh. Dracarys, if they gussied it up a little bit more, could have been an end of an episode. Maybe they just had too many too many awesome things to 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 pick from. Yeah. I mean, it's pretty much the end of the episode from here to the end, right? Because that's the other thing is like I, I I'm going to say the same thing about this half end episode. This this mm-hmm. this also felt rushed and kind of shittier than it should have been. Huh. Okay. Yeah. Let's talk about it. Um, Egret's taunting John, and he starts taunting back. And they're continuing their ruse, and Corin comes to John with a sword. Lord of Bones or whatever his name is lets them fight, and John kills Corin. Uh, they untie John, and Egret takes him to a cliff where she shows him an encampment where the king beyond the wall awaits their arrival. And there's so many people. Lots of them, yeah. Lots, that's like a, a bunch. Yeah, well, we know he's unifying the North, you know? He's he's the king of the North, or king beyond the wall, rather. Yeah. Um, he needs an army. I mean, so you haven't read the books. You don't know any of the backstory here. You don't know how, like, it quote-unquote should have gone down. What did you no. think of, like, the John and Halfhand plot? Like, I felt like there was a little bit unsaid, and a little bit like no, the, the John didn't really have any agency here. Like this, mm-hmm. this the yeah. half hand guy is going to play fight him until he finally kills him. Yeah, like what is so so like there wasn't. It felt less like a no, like 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 this hard, difficult task that John is accepting, and like well, shit, you know. Yeah, I I struggled to come up with a better way to do it though because the they, they can't like, exactly have just a conversation. Right? Yeah, the other thing I didn't like is essentially John being goaded into kill. Like like there was like genuine anger and like I want you to die at the end. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. I mean, I, you got to sell it right, but like I sure. felt like they made a, a aired on the side of like man, maybe that's effective because like you know. There is this seduction that's happening. John mm-hmm. sees some aspects of the wildling culture that he likes, namely their redheads, and um, you know, is chafing under like some of the rules and risks. Like he, this season's been about him being disillusioned with the Night's Watch, going all the way back to Craster offering up his children and the bear being like, "Yeah, well, real politic, mm-hmm. you know, crack a book sometime, John. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta break some eggs to make an omelet." And leading up to this. I don't know. I, I I can't tell if it's good or bad or it just was, again, just like the Danny scene, it needed a little bit more time to breathe. Maybe this should have been like a 90-minute episode. Maybe. I, I did feel like it was a little bit longer than a typical episode. Might have been. I could be wrong about that. Might have been. But like I said, that's a lot of these scenes just felt like it needed a beat or two more or mm-hmm. like punctuate like like split it up so it's like you could you give give people enough time to kind of process things but i don't, I don't know that yeah i think i'm with you on this one um corin i don't know i mean corin like like you said isn't giving john a choice in this but also john isn't the kind of person who wants to kill him i mean shit right. he didn't even want to kill egret right? right so i He's got to do something. There, there's got to be some way to get John to kill him. Sure. And if that way is to anger him and then make him remorseful afterward, right? Um, but understand why Corin did it. I think. I right. think that works. That's okay. Uh, it's just something that I think is going to take a little while for John to process. Yeah. The other, I guess, the other thing is. A lot of these things feeling rushed and cramped as a direct result to just narrow in the focus to Blackwater. 
And that what mm. that's what made that episode awesome. Yeah. Like if we were cutting away from the Blackwater to get Danny and uh, going around in circles in the House of the Undying or Corin uh-huh. giving, you know, John his marching orders, like it wouldn't have been as effective. So like the choice to make nine that's kind of centerpiece around the Blackwater had to steal some of the oxygen from the room in these scenes. Mm-hmm. So like I don't know. Like I'm I'm not a showrunner. I don't know what the hell I'm talking about. I just feel <laughs> like that they're I, I want I wish I, I always wish they could have done done things a little bit better, especially on big big things like, you know, Danny um Danny having her little seasonal moment of awesome and John, you know, really struggling for what it means to be a watcher on the wall. Mm-hmm. Uh so yeah, but it, the, the important thing is the wildlings are suitably impressed. Um, you know, Corn Halfhand is one of their big Baba Yagas. They're 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 big John Wick boogeyman. So right. this guy killing them, and and the way that uh, the, the thing I did enjoy is like all of the things that Corn Halfhand has been saying are stuff that like would make the 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 wildlings sit up and and take notice. Like, oh, his father's a traitor. So he's like bucking against the system, and his mother's a whore. This is no, this is no lord that's going to be too high and mighty and be too nicey nicey. Like it's 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 exactly what they need to hear to start thinking that maybe John would betray his oaths, mm-hmm. which is what they're he's, he's he needs. You know, like Corrin said two episodes ago, we need a person on the inside. You, you'll you'll be worth a thousand men. Uh, you being on the inside is worth a thousand men on the other side of the wall. So, right, it does work. It just doesn't work as well as I hoped it would. Uh, okay, let's move on to Duck Sauce, who is sleeping when Danny comes in and catches him with her handmaiden. Oh man, Doria, uh, what are you doing? Takes both of them you're to doing the, vault. the duck sauce is what you're doing. <laughs> she is certainly. Uh, she takes both of them over to the vault, which is empty, by the way, and locks them in. Uh, then the Dothraki pillage all the gold and jewels from the city to buy a small ship. <laughs> a small ship. I guess this is just Duck Sauce's house, but mm-hmm. um, yeah, Dan, Danny's handmaiden sold her out. I always like that scene when a person like you can tell that like, she had all her reasons of why this was a good thing, and like, but the per- but now yeah, Danny's none of them sta- matter. Daenerys is standing in front of you, and you're like, oh, I fucked up. I'm gonna get yeah. locked. I'm gonna get locked in this this vault, and there's there's nothing. There's yeah. Yeah, we called it. No, nothing in that vault. They, sh- she should have checked that vault from day one if she was ever even going to consider this. Uh, a lot of empty promises in this episode. Yep, Melisandre, Duck Sauce. But uh, uh, that's the thing is, like, I felt like this scene was exactly the right length because it's not like we yep. were super emotionally involved in Zaro. We suspected the thing about his treasure. It's just like a really stone cold way to kill somebody for breaking your word, and then yep. and then you're out. And, and also, it, it also kind of makes the um, it, it makes the Dothraki wanting to pillage the guy's house, yeah. but funnier in retrospect because they eventually got their wish. Yep, he's had to wait a little while. Yep, yep. Uh, so we're back to the north, and Sam tells his friends that he's interested in Gilly because she stays positive, unlike them. Uh, and they hear a horn blow, not once, not twice, three times. Thrice. Uh, which is pretty rare. And a storm approaches. Sam isn't fast enough to escape, so he hides as a buttload of whites stroll past him. Then a white walker sees him, but he doesn't seem to care too much. He's on another mission. His his face looks like a s- series of just stitched together buttholes. Yeah. Just, just, his just, whole, he's got a puckered his face. His face, nose, 
mouth and eyes just look like a bunch of chocolate star like like, like frosted starfish mm-hmm. not chocolate they're frosted uh <laughs> interesting interesting look interesting look it is um they're they're shouting something i mean it's it's completely unintelligible right but it's like a shriek making some weird noise that seems to be pushing these whites forward and yet again they know. leave they leave one man alive to tell the tale yeah yeah, I'm not sure why exactly. I we don't know a, their motivation. I think it's a terror really. tactic, like because it's consistent yeah. with what they did in the first. Like they could have run that guy down and killed him, but they wanted. Yeah, they sure. want. I think they. It's. It feels like they want the realms of men to know. Yeah, like we are coming for you. Shit yourself. Here's the plan. Then uh-huh. fight the White Walkers one at a time. Just send one man in. He'll be a, <laughs> a one man wrecking crew. They got to send two. Yes, send two because if there's no one, if 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 you know what I'm saying, like if if you just send one, they'll kill him because there's no way well, they, to. They didn't kill Sam. Yeah, but but there's no tail of the tail. It's like you come up, you look at the White Walker, and he kind of shrugs, and you turn around and walk back. It's like so, tell us the tale of the White Walker. But they just shrugged at me, and I walked off. That's what I mean. You have Why two wouldn't they kill so him? they can brutally kill the one guy and then let the other guy sneak back. <laughs> okay. I, I thought. The oh yeah, tail, you're right. You're, yeah. you're talking about a way to defeat. I was thinking of like what's optimum for the White Walkers. No, I'm thinking you a way to defeat the White Walkers. It's mm. one at a time. But yeah, uh, where where are they going? You have any idea? Uh, well, the 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 largest ranging party in in recent memory is at the fist of the the first men. So mm-hmm. I'm assuming that they are uh, they're going there. Okay. Going there to the 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 the, the, the what's, what would what must be just a massive awesome battle, like all these all <laughs> these knights so? all these knights watchmen versus like this this like like huge crowd of the dead, mm-hmm. like that's gonna be fucking sweet when we come back for it in season three. It could be, if they do it right. We'll see. <laughs> all right, that's the end of the episode. Hey, if you've enjoyed our coverage of Game of Thrones, and we've, there's a lot of it. There's a lot, of, a lot of coverage of Game of Thrones, and I think we we do a pretty good job of it. I've enjoyed it. Uh, you know, we wouldn't have gotten a season two retrospective recap had we not done this as full time jobs because we barely have enough time to do it, even as full time podcasters. <laughs> That's true. So, if you really enjoyed this podcast um, and you want to keep stuff like this going and contribute to the success of BaldMove.com, uh, go to our club page. Just check it out. Just check if you haven't checked it out. Check it out. Go to club.baldmove.com. Because there's a pitch for every single feature there, and it's a link to actual samples where you can actually see what you get for your club membership. Uh, when you sign up, you get 30 days to try it for free, so that's cool. This week, there's two pieces of club content coming out. Our Wolf Among Us uh, playthrough, which I talked about in the housekeeping section, and the spoiler-filled movie review of the Justice League. Uh, everyone gets the free spoiler not filled non-spoiler review of the, the general thoughts of the movie but if you want to they hear us really talk about the finer points of the flash and cyborg and wonder woman and batman and super superman he's dead he superman won't be one? in the justice league he's dead no? he's mm-hmm. dead and one thing they're not going to do is bring superman back to definitely life. not no they're not going to do that if you want to hear that stuff you got to be a club member club.baldmove.com again check that link out see what we've got to offer uh see if any of the things are per- pertinent to your interests and we could really use your support club.baldmove.com uh do we have some feedback to do oh boy we do i think people are feeling this is the last time so they they got they got their they got their piece in Uh-oh. uh first up scott v like to hear discussion on the timing of our season three coverage 
So we we oh, we God, we don't know. I know. We don't please. But he's like, he, please, I don't know. <laughs> he's like, he's like, yeah, I heard you want to do it before season eight airs. He's yeah. throwing, he's throwing in like we should wait until after season eight airs to do season three. Look, man, we made a promise. We made a vow. Um, <laughs> our oath was we would do it before season eight. Here's here's the thing. I don't even think it's about that. It's like we have done. We have on multiple shows and over its course of many years done situations like this. And what we mm-hmm. found out is once a show is over, yeah, like again, they'll be diehards, but but a lot of the casual fans just just, just decamp. And yeah. that's assuming that season eight is going to be like a rousing good time and like, you know, just it's just like a very fulfilling. Like what if season eight lays a big fat you know, goose egg. Uh-huh. It's it, then then people are going to be heading for the hills. Nobody's going to want to stick around for you know an enjoyment of season three, which might be one of the best seasons of all time, Game of Thrones. Mm-hmm. Um, so like I think it's the safe play to do it all, to do it this way. This way being season three before doing eight. somewhere before season eight, yeah, yeah. Because if we wait till afterwards and it's a disaster, and that's going to suck. And then even if it's not, then people are like, you know, they'll have their fill of Game of Thrones and they'll they'll go elsewhere. You know, it's got me thinking. I I have a conspiracy theory. Oh yeah, and it's just a conspiracy between HBO and themselves. Right? But do you think they're maybe delaying the release of season eight so that they can develop and film and release the whatever spinoff show they're going to be doing? I wouldn't be surprised if and capture the I wouldn't audience be surprised they have before if they're, it falls if, off. If, I don't know about that, but I wouldn't be surprised if they want to delay it to where development's far enough along for them to have a really fucking sweet trailer they can show during season eight. Right. And if and if but because they've got to capture those eyeballs, otherwise, yeah. Although I do, I, I mean, do they got to? Because like, if this I think is, so, the 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 sequels or prequels or whatever the hell they are, are going to be the biggest news. Like, you're not going to be able to escape attention. They're going right, to be on Entertainment this... Weekly. They're going to be on billboards, and they're going to be on fucking First Look with absolutely. Marina. But you have to get people hyped while they're hyped, hyped for your new thing while they're hyped for your old thing. Otherwise, there's a chance that you'll lose That's a true. lot of them because it's a perfect time to check out. Like, say. I spent eight years with Game of Thrones. Right. I'm happy with it, but I don't really want to go on a new journey with that. But, oh, shit, here's Robert's Rebellion and gods he was strong right. back then. And, <laughs> right. You know, it's 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 Bobby B. Hype. and it's, I certainly yeah. think it's a better idea to do that than to wait until yeah. after it's over. Yeah. And that's the thing. Like, I guess because what we haven't done before is just randomly drop a season of coverage completely divorced from every other. Like, you know, when we did Breaking Bad, sure. we did it right after. Um, and I the, the, the thing is, like, releasing it in, like, a very low energy part of the fan base, like, where we're, it's, it's, it's far enough away that we're not really excited about season eight. Yeah. Or it's too it's it's and it's past so far past season seven everybody's unsubscribed like we could be hurting our audience somewhat mm-hmm. but I don't know like I mean basically we've gotten really good success in the first two seasons uh, of coverage and if season three is nothing but just saying we have complete coverage so we can be one of those podcasts that says hey cradle to grave we got you on the show that still has value to us I think yeah I don't know maybe like I, in an ideal world I know enough I know season 10 season 8 was season 10 season 8 was coming enough in advance that we could do it like in the lead up before mm-hmm. but that's like I don't think we had 10 weeks notice for season 7 when we yeah, actually it's... got the, and if you fuck that up, then what are you mm-hmm. gonna do? Double, oh, yeah. yeah. Anyway, like I said, 
basically, Scott, we're trying to do it the best way we can. <laughs> so, like, we are trying to take in uh, all considerations. Let's move on. Corey P., uh, I'm going back and I'm rewatching while listening to your podcast in between. On the season 10 episode, season one episode, man, season 10's really caught my imagination. <laughs> yes. That's why they're delaying, because it turns out there's going to be two more seasons. Oh, shit. Corey P. has a question. Uh, the Tullys married off two daughters to the Lord's Paramount. Um, but the question is why? Why were the Riverlands so important during Robert's Rebellion, which is when I assumed their betrothal began, that caused the Tullys to hold so much power? Hmm. Um, so what he's referring to is uh, Liza got married off to John Aaron, who's the Lord Paramount of the of the the, the Vale, mm-hmm. and. Uh, you know, of course, Cat got married off to to first Brandon Stark, the elder brother of Ned. But when he got killed, uh, got married off to to Ned. Mm-hmm. Why would this house be re- so relatively powerful? Um, and I guess the the the, the thing, the, the real noodle bender here is that the Riverlands are one of the weaker houses. Period, because they didn't even start until. The conquest. So they go back 300 years when Aegon the Conqueror came and destroyed Harrenhal. That's where this that that the Harrenhal used to be the seat where the Iron Islanders controlled all of the Riverlands and the Iron Islands. Harrenhal was destroyed, and the Tullys were one of the first of the houses to declare for Aegon. So he made them Lord Paramount of the Riverlands as a as a way to pay them back. So they they are a recently kind of um, like a like a upstart house similar to the Tyrells further south. So the real question is why, and 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 they've always historically been weak because the Riverlands is like the 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 meat in the aggression sandwich that happens every couple generations in Game of Thrones. They're literally like if you want to go north and march south, you got to trample on the Riverlands. If you want to go east and march west, you're going to trample on the Riverlands. And also to add a, a, another delicious piece of meat in this shitty stew is a lot of their bannermen have been fighting generational long wars against each other. Oh boy. So like you've got this fraction and you got the fray. That's one of his bannermen's afraid. You got these fractious and distrustful and disloyal bannermen. You're right in the middle of the continent getting, getting assaulted on all sides. You, the, the, the very smart um, householder would try to, keep that from happening um the other thing is cat is one of the beauties of her time like catelyn stark you're supposed to understand is as beautiful as any woman in westeros has ever been like she's right up there with uh uh with cersei um mm-hmm. so that you know and and you know lords all other things being equal like to marry their successful sons off to very beautiful women so they can have beautiful grandchildren of course um which are then further pawns in their political game of course <laughs> you have good looking sons and daughters and that's the so essentially that's 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 what happened he hmm. was trying to cement a relationship up north and to the east so he could secure as many of his borders as he could they don't really i mean it, mo- when i did research most people took took pains to point out how weak the Tullys are. So I don't have an answer of like how relatively strong they are, but they are, you know, they, they are a great ho- house that has access to a lot of great lands mm-hmm. and, and wealthy lands. So they're not nothing. They're just not as well politically established as the Starks or the Lannisters. Um, also, um, Tully was trying to marry off one of uh, his, uh, one of his daughters. He's trying to marry off Liza to Jamie. 
Hmm. And it got foiled because uh, King Eris made Jamie uh, Kingsguard, oh. which made all that null and void. So yeah. that they, they could even like imagine that you could have had uh, married to the Starks and the the Lannisters. That would have been a tough. That that have made the rebellion even even harder to side for. All right, Connor H. You guys have been shitting all season long about how easy it is for the warlocks to pull that coup in season two on Karth, but you seem to forget that they said that they get their magic gets more powerful around dragons. I don't think anyone mm-hmm. in Karth has seen them pull the shit that they're pulling with this crazy magic. Fair point. Yeah, um, I, they mentioned that in this episode. Right, that the dragons are back. Our magic got stronger. Probably why Connor is is, is mentioning it. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's that's a fair point. If you had uh, this uneasy alliance of these 13 unconnected wise rulers or whatever, and then one of them gets nukes, mm-hmm. then obviously that's going to change things. Danny and her dragons could be those that the, the could have could have powered them up. So I think you're onto something there, Connor. I'll slightly retract <laughs> the ease in which the the king of Karth and the warlo- warlocks were able to take control. Uh, we have one last spoiler-free email. Jack W. says, you guys were talking about Stannis leading the charge in order to inspire his men, not worrying about arrows, etc. But I think you missed out on one key thing. He genuinely believed that he had divine protection. Lysandre had him convinced that he was the prince who was promised and meant to win the battle, thus him not worrying about arrows or rocks falling on his head. Hmm. That's a super yeah. good point, which was banged home this episode, that like some of his fearlessness and recklessness was just like, I'm going to win no matter what, so fuck it. Yeah. Uh, hundreds of men will die thousands but I'll still be victorious and he almost was mm-hmm. almost was uh, that's it for the spoiler free feedback um, we are not doing a we're not doing a, a season wrap up right someone said that we've uh, done no. one for season one but I think we're breaking tradition and not doing one for season two yeah yeah uh, we have a lot of concerns at the moment uh-huh. <laughs> a lot of concerns on the table uh, so yeah unlike Varys not. we have many irons in the fire we're not trying we to do. look to get into more so yeah, yeah. this will be it, and I think we we got a lot of we got we got we we've we've talked about Game of Thrones for tw- what twenty weeks <laughs> Damn running. Near. So Pretty I close. think yeah. I think we're ready to, to to put it to 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 bed for a season, possibly mm-hmm. an entire year. Yeah. Um, well, no, we'll get it. We'll we'll, we'll we'll take it back. We'll we'll take season three off and dust it off and take it off the shelf and 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 get into it before season eight i mean that's what we just said yeah that's the plan so it won't be a whole year we'll or, be back or we'll wait till 2026 and we'll be back with <laughs> no, season no, three no no veto yeah. i'm not gonna do that uh just I... we'll do it when the time is right <laughs> <laughs> when when hbo announces the remake of game of thrones <laughs> right. we'll wait till that third season and say fuck it no one will notice yeah um but yeah, if you want to if you want to follow us uh, along of that, check out baldmove.com. Subscribe to one of our many social media feeds, so you'll or you can just stay stay subscribed to this feed in your podcast aggregator. And then if we drop an episode, you'll be ready to go. Mm-hmm. So we will see you when we see you. We still got a little bit of spoiler stuff to talk about. Uh, I think it's time for us to get into there. All right, get in there and see what's up, see what's up with the spoilers. Let's do it. Okay, it's spoiler time. Hope everybody who doesn't want to hear it is out of the room. Can you can you believe we really only had one point five? Where are my dragons this season? Yeah, it's pretty shocking. Uh, I would have guessed a number a lot bigger than that. Yeah, like I feel like I feel like the the promos and Amelia Clark doing the YouTube thing, like they they just really leaned into it, and it became like this cultural thing where like yeah, she's just screaming about dragons the whole time, and also. Yeah. I think it's a reaction to the, the the relatively unsatisfying nature of her arc this season. It's just she didn't she didn't get anything she needed. Yeah. 
she was just kind of put in the fridge for a year mm-hmm. because she didn't she she gets she gets this one lone you know lame little ship uh and that's it that's mm-hmm. it it's just and that ship is going to get her to their next destination and then she'll sit there for a couple of seasons yeah until she gets to her next destination she'll sit there for a season or two until she comes <laughs> to Westeros where mm-hmm. she'll sit in Dragonstone for yet another season and I can see why people are dissatisfied with her art. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Where is my Danny? That's what I want to know. Uh, what do you want to talk about? Like the thing I, I the, like. Theon should have taken the black. Yeah, Knowing totally, what we absolutely. know that Theon's yes. going to go through, he and he has th- a moment where he considers it, right? Until yeah. he remembers, oh, John's up there, and that's the thing. Like, no, like the hilarious thing for extra dramatic irony is not only does he lose Winterfell, not only does he lose his pillar and stones, not only does he have to eventually, like, uh, not only does he lose everything, but he eventually has to face the thing that he fears worse, which is John looking him in the eye and saying, you're a piece of shit. Yep. And John, after everything, eventually forgave him. So yeah, like that, I think that's a very different John than the John we have now too, right? Because well, I mean, John takes a long journey as well, uh, which changes him. It's almost like you're saying everything had to happen. If it had to happen. <laughs> no, no, I'm just saying like if it had happened. You don't, in, so you don't think John? Three, you don't think John would have ever forgiven him? I don't know about ever. Gone. I don't think he would have if he showed up in season three, episode two at the wall. It no. also depends on what kind of like because I feel like Theon with his pillar and stones intact would have been one of the mole town horrors. Yeah, that would have really gotten gotten john's goat Mm -hmm. so like maybe maybe that that theon is not humble enough to actually because yeah i guess i'm what i'm saying is like theon could have saved himself a lot of trouble had he just gone to the black because eventually john did forgive him but john forgave him largely because of the journey he took and the journey theon took so yeah it's almost like if things are different they won't be the same Do you have any... Almost have, like it. Uh, what do you make of this melting snow? Because I swear the snow is melting on her. I'll, I mean, I'll, I'll go like, along There are with like you. flakes that hit her her guard or whatever. I always her, thought her it was supposed plate. to be snow. I always thought this and, was... this was Because in the books, she sees a whole slew of visions. And mm-hmm. some stuff, in retrospect, might have given away the ghost too much. Like she's at a wedding feast and there's a man of honor who has got his throat slit and there's a wolf head sitting on his shoulders. Yep. Okay. Like, that's that's you can hmm. do things in a book where, like, you know, everyone uses their imagination, but if you actually showed, like, how would you show that and not have people, like, oh my god, this is gonna be this, Rob's fucked, yeah, Rob, do, do, don't go to your wedding, Rob, you know, it's, it's gonna, well, it's not Rob's, but it's it's Edmure's uh, wedding because right. we just saw Rob's, um. But there's a lot of stuff. There's like this like premonition of John like the one of the earliest indications of John Snow is a secret Targaryen, an Aegon Targaryen, if you will, was that uh, Danny sees like uh, a winter a blue winter rose growing out of a chink of an ice uh, in an ice wall, mm-hmm. and that blue rose is was previously in the previous books used to kind of represent Lyanna Stark. And so, like, this was this this was one of, uh, and it was uh, tied to like her ancestors. This is where she gets the um, prophecies about like the Mummer's Dragon and and like all these different all these different lots of different prophecies regard regarding Daenerys that the show has largely kind of ignored. Like mm-hmm. the one thing that the show seems to have leaned into from the beginning was this Miri Mazdur prophecy about the sun setting and the 
east and right set yes yeah. setting in east and rising in the west and all that stuff hmm. uh i forget what how did we get on that i, I guess I was i'm just, I'm I was just, just surprised that it's not it's not brought up more when you start talking about like oh maybe it's ash yeah um because it seemed instantly recognizable as snow to me but mm-hmm. uh i don't know i mean there there has to be something snow doesn't take out the ceiling of the castle of the the throne room you know right so there's got to be something else involved right um the snow is probably just a representation of the white walkers coming south right which if they get that far south you know that's bad news for the north right right and that's what i'm saying like i i always thought the snow was like the like 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 a war kind of like a warning that if if you don't do things right this is what's going to happen and I, I guess I could have used a lot more House in the Undying action, honestly, because yeah. like I do, they did show because that's what in the books she sees like she's essentially got like things that are warnings and things that are temptations, and I feel like they did one of each, and then that's it. I felt like there could have should have been several cycles, and Danny really struggling with like freeing her mind from this trap that they've put her in, and instead mm-hmm. they put all the emphasis on her dragons destroying the warlock. Which also happens in the books. It's just like in the books, your imagination can can you know, kind of run wild and and make it seem cooler than these little scrawny CGI dragons with their pitiful jets of flame. <laughs> yeah, it just I don't know. Uh, what else do we want to talk about? Uh, hmm. Uh, like, I don't know. I'm still I'm still thinking about that scene. I I mean they have an ice dragon now, so that could definitely do some damage to the top of that castle. What castle are we talking about? King's Landing, uh, the throne room. Oh there. oh oh right yeah. right right yeah. So, yeah. yeah, I don't know. <laughs> that could be the fate. Or it could be we'll uh, Cersei goes wild and knocks over a brazier while she's drunk <laughs> on the, the wine that she's drinking and just sets sets the Red Keep on fire. Well, I think it'd be an interesting, sort of a poetic justice sort of thing where Danny doesn't want to attack King's Landing with her dragons, but now she's lost a dragon, which is used to attack King's Landing, oh, and right. she might get blamed for it. In like an irony kind of way. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I don't know. We'll see. But that's about all I have on spoilers. Okay, well, let's get through the feedback then. Okay. Uh, Megan H. What was the deal with the way the siege played out, with Theon getting knocked out and his men leaving? A book reader friend of mine tells me there was a deal that anyone who surrenders could live, with the exception of Theon. Was there something in the show that signals this and I just spaced out, or is this info we get later? Or never? No, I think it's just implied. Did the Boltons actually honor this, or are all the Iron Islanders who left now dead? Um... I think so. I think the way if you if I I think yes, they do imply this is the deal, but Mm -hmm. also you can also think that like well, Theon is just being abandoned by these craven thieves, and which is kind of what you'd expect from the Iron Islanders. They're not going to fight for a doomed cause because why? And you could maybe say, oh, during their searching for Bran, they might have found some passageways that Lewin was talking about. Maybe they're just going to leave. I I honestly don't remember. I don't think because because there is a scene where I think they take Moat Kalen or something like that and and uh, Ramsey does promise some safe passage yeah, and then he just kills and flays them all anyway. Yep. that's certainly a Ramsey thing to do. But I don't I don't think we get there in this season. Like I think Theon wakes up in the Dreadfort and things yeah, go from I, there. I mean Ramsey takes his liberties, uh, you know, more and more as the the seasons go on. I think right, right. now. He very much like wants to impress his father, right? Right. And so he's sent in to take Winterfell. That's what he does. Yep. And I don't think he's that interested in flaying people yet. 
Um, she says, I also thought it was interesting that Maester Lewin was counseling Theon to take the black as a means of repentance and doing good with his life. I was thinking that could be a satisfying ultimate end for Theon, though I guess, depending on how the series wraps up, there may be no more need for a Night's Watch. That's an interesting idea, to yeah. the fact that he can take the black retrospectively. Mm-hmm. Uh, final side note, you said that the Blackwater podcast, that the Hound isn't a knight, or so that blonde dude wouldn't be a squire. Isn't he a sir or a sir in the Game of Thrones world? I know the mountain is Sir Gregor, and also Gregor fought in that jousting competition or whatever. It was caused at the, called at the beginning of season one, so is Gregor a knight, but not Sandor? Yeah. I know Gregor is, yeah. Yeah, that's one of the reasons Sandor is so has such a fucked up view of knights because like fucking my brother is an anointed knight sworn to uphold this code of chivalry and bullshit. Yeah, and he's a huge shitbag. <laughs> now you don't have to be a knight to fight in a tournament, right? And you know, again, there's like this there's this north south kind of split that the the northerners don't really do a lot of surring, although there's not a prohibition. Sir Roderick was the the master at arms at Winterfell and a pretty high ranking person in the stark household yet he styled himself as a sir he had he had been gone mm. through the knighting process which involves what was his religious affiliation because i think that's a religious sort of thing it right? is it really yeah. is it's um i mean he would he i don't know if he's, you get dual I, I, I don't know if you can because like people swear by the old gods and the new yeah so like i don't think it's like a scandalous thing Mm-hmm. But I imagine Sir Roderick got a lot of ribbing about being like, oh, let me get the door for you, sir. Because, like, the <laughs> Northerners just don't give a shit. It's like, it's, yeah. it'd be it's seen as like taking on an heir to them. But um, I think that's that's it for Megan. Uh, Dan from Florida is curious. In the final scene where Jack and Hagar first changed his face in front of Arya, could either of you tell whether he's putting a face on or taking it off? Because now that we know how faces huh. work, is there anything we can take away from this scene in terms of who Jacken really is? Of these two faces, which was his real one, was either? Does it even matter? Will we see him in season eight? Holy shit, that's a lot of curiosity. That is, and I applaud you for being a curious person. I, I thought the same but... fucking thing. When he turned it, there was a little move, and I'm like, is he putting on or is he taking <laughs> off? I don't know. I didn't look. I, I was not considering that, and I didn't look that closely. I would say that neither i mean i guess the safe money is that neither of those are his true faces because on a mission yeah. why the fuck why yeah. the fuck would he wear his real face yeah certainly the jack and face as we've come to know it is how he represents himself to aria most of the time right um and it's only kind of in these grand gestures where he changes into a different person right. for her so i think you can somewhat safely assume that that might be his real face but you're right why ever use that especially in the land of the enemy in fact i got this is this is nothing that's in the actual canon but my head canon says that a true faceless man might not even like like if you get is as is indoctrinated into the cult as they want you to be you might not even remember your original face sure yeah like you just wear like whatever face i need is the wear i'm wearing and like i that's what i'm comfortable in cuz i'm no one i'm literally no one mm-hmm. and that's like that's that makes the faceless man have like that that name actually means something then yeah it's a brainwashing sort of akin to what theon goes through right you know? and in the books we never see jacken again we see this face this this what they call like the alchemist face because he shows up later at the citadel when sam shows up there and he's doing some kind of thing there hmm. but when Arya goes to bravo she never sees jacken 
Um, really? Yeah. There's the there's all this, throughout there's her. This, this old they, they call him the kindly man because they don't have any names and they've got the waif. Uh, okay. But and the, they even do that in this. Like the kindly man eventually morphs into Jacken, but that's not in the books at all. Huh. Um. And I the, apparently Sam's, Sam's came and gone at the Citadel with Naria Jacken to be seen. So nope. t- make of that what you will. Or a sand snake. Or a sand snake. Yep. Uh, Tessie. All right, this may be a half-baked theory, but I was listening to an old Season 4 podcast on a tinfoil theory of yours, and it got me thinking. I think she's referring to the Danny and the House of the Endiac. I did a whole deep dive on this back in Season 4. Most of Miri Mazdur's prophecy about Danny has come true. We've seen the Dornish sun come from west to east uh, in the form of uh, Quentin. Uh, the Dothraki Sea dry up in the winter, which is the Dothraki Sea is, of course, the grass sea that, that turns brown towards the end of Dance of Dragons. And the mountain, Sir Gregor, fall, sort of. So doesn't that mean we'll get the resultant end of the theory? We saw Danny and John get it on at the end of Season 7 with so much talk of how she couldn't or could get pregnant. I would expect that she's going to be pregnant sometime in Season 8, but what about Drogo returning? What if Danny dies and goes to the Shadowlands and see Drogo, sees Drogo again? It would be even more exactly fitting the prophecy if she died in childbirth, which is a strange, not a strange phenomenon in the world. Um, that's a good question because a lot, of, I guess, a lot of the fan theory crafting concerns whether she can perhaps conceive children or not. Not that Drogo would literally return from the dead, even though that's just uh-huh. as much of the prophecy as, as anything. Uh-huh. So, what do you think? Man, I'm not versed in the prophecy well enough. I think you're really versed well enough to know the like. Do you think Drogo's going to come back from the dead? I could. Uh, I... What if Drogon dies? Like, is, Dro- is, is Drogo Drogon His a good enough stand-in for Drogo yeah. that him coming back to life in some miraculous way would fulfill the tenets of the prophecy? Hmm. Because you also got Rhaegal. Like, like you know, like that. This is all bound up, and I don't think I don't think Danny wants a zombie family coming back to life. Yeah, I don't know. This is all Nostradamus shit to me, man. Like, right. uh, I'm gonna say a lot of shit, and then when stuff happens, it kind of fits it. I'm gonna point at it and say, "See." Well, I think <laughs> it's inter- so. So, so it's, it's, it's interesting that Danny's got two remaining dragons. One's Drogon, and one is Rhaegal, uh-huh. which is a name like is named for her brother, and also. Um, that um that, that that was there was a nod to that her her the the name she gave her actual son that died and that died during the delivery process the dark yeah. magic it would be kind of interesting if if those like if if she's able to bear children and her dragons are returned to her but again that's not the exact wording of the prophecy and and that's what I mean by not well and, and I, would, I don't know the exact wording I would I mean she just about quoted it the sun rising from this the mountains the, the sea drying up the mountains fall that's when the, that's when Drogo will return et cetera et cetera um, <laughs> okay I mean I just was saying like there's really not that much to it like there's a couple more flowery words but there's really not much um, gotcha. My, I guess my thing is, I would be dismissive of the whole thing, except for this is the one prophecy that the show has consistently hammered home, and Danny herself put talked about it in season seven. Mm-hmm. So it would be weird if nothing came of that. Sure. Um, yeah, I feel yeah. As so many of these other prophecies have, you know, gone off the tracks mm-hmm. um, in various ways, and are I guess still fulfillable from a certain point of view. But, right. Uh, th- there needs to be 
in in my mind, if I were writing this, I would say there need to be multiple prophecies, which there are, and some of them need to be fulfilled, and some of them shouldn't be fulfilled, hmm. simply because you want their, you don't want like the prophecy to just be written in stone and say this is going to happen because there's a prophecy. You want to cast some doubt on prophecy. And I think you want to do so right up till the very end and beyond the end. I think you want there to be prophecy left in doubt or prophecy left completely unfulfilled by the end of this thing, such as like Melisandre's prophecies, right? Right, yeah, and that, that strikes to the heart of a perennial question, which is, are the gods, are any gods, or is there any, yeah. is there any intelligent supernatural force in Game of Thrones universe? Because if magic is just like an elemental force that has no will or intelligence, then... These gifts of prophecy can be misinterpreted. Sure. You can have charlatans just making shit up. And Melisandre is interesting because she does both. Um, and but but if 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 you come down to decide that there is like an intelligence, then a lot of the prophecy has to be true because if you got these supernatural godly powers that are calling shots and then like whoops couldn't couldn't fucking cover that one, then like what the fuck. Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess you could start... Unless we're all in the, you know, the chess game of the gods, right? Right, and there's multiple gods playing against each other, yeah. and they're not all powerful and all-knowing. they got <laughs> relative... Like, there's, right. there's a lot of wiggle room. But I guess, like, these kind of questions get at that heart. Like, yeah, if yeah. you... If all prophecies come true, then it's kind of like, well, QED. If half the prophecies mm-hmm. come true, then it's like... I guess that's the more interesting question. It certainly would be to me as a writer, but I'm not writing this, so who knows? Indeed. Well, neither is George Martin. So the, <laughs> nobody's writing the, it. At this nobody. Point. That, there's no one's hand at the wheel. Yeah. Which means all of our hands are at the wheel. Chase G. And the, the, the double D's got a prophecy that this thing will get done <laughs> somehow, and they're just hands off the wheel at this point. <laughs> they're the princes that were promised. Yeah. They came to kill the 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 kill the the hype slayer George Martin and fulfill his duties <laughs> unto us. Uh, Chase G. In the Blackwater episode, Varys informs Tyrion that having Stannis on the Iron Throne would be disastrous for the realm because he is taken up with the Red Priestess and now follows the Lord of Light and has used these dark powers to secure his military strength. Agreed. Obviously has a deep disdain for dark magic as explained in the story of how he was cut. Me too. I wonder what this means for his current allegiance to Danny and her alliance with Jon Snow. Mm. Wouldn't he see Jon as a byproduct of something dark and evil from his perspective? Is it even confirmed that Melisandre's actions are what brought back John to life, or would he have come back regardless? What are your thoughts on this, or do you think Barris gets uh, much plot in the final episodes? No way can they shunt Barris off to a secondary role. <laughs> uh, how how much does Varys know? Is he he doesn't have his spy network anymore, right? It's starting to come back together. Okay. Is but, he privy to all of the information? Like, does he know that John has been resurrected by Melisandre? I, I don't think I can't he remember. knows. I don't think because, like, even I don't think Danny fully understood what was going on until she saw the scars on his chest. Because there was a significant yeah. look where she's like, "Holy fuck, you got these giant holes all over your body." So we're playing the hypothetical game of if he finds out, yeah, what does he think of that? Right. Uh, I, I think it would it would raise his eyebrows certainly. And it's interesting because we think that Danny has a traitor in her midst. Mm-hmm. And you're right about the eyebrow raising. I wonder if one of the things Varys is going to do in season eight is betray Danny. Because he finds out. 
or he's just hedging John's his bets. Cool. Like you know what? He's already like on high alert for her turning into the Mad Queen, mm-hmm. and now she's shacking up with this undead conqueror. Yeah, and he starts to get too. And like I get again, I could see us entirely understanding him doing the things he's doing, but he's still going to burn because you know Dan, that's what mm-hmm. Danny said, and also Melisandre said by the time I you're, you know we're both going to die in this country. Like those are. Like like Melisandre and Varys dying are two of the sure bets if 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 if, yeah. if there's if prophecy is real in this world right because mm-hmm. we just got that this season, yep. Um. So and that would be an interesting way for Varys to to actually be again in his mind all justified. Maybe even some people watching the show would agree, but you kind of backed a wrong horse. He's got a history <laughs> of that. Um. But yeah. Any other thoughts, or should we move on? No, let's keep going. Uh, I don't know. I will say to answer your question, Chase, I don't know that it's conclusively proven that Melisandre's actions are what brought back John back to life because there was that gap of her washing his hair and doing her voodoo, and then he came to life on his own. So you could hmm. you could certainly argue that point, and without the books to kind of give his background and more information, like. But it certainly seems like everyone in the show gives the Lord of Light credit for bringing him back to life, even John himself. Yeah, he'll say, "I don't understand," it, but he doesn't deny it. Zachary T, you've brought up, brought up several times this season why Arya wouldn't use her faceless man tr- wild card triple death wish to kill anyone of importance like Joffrey or Cersei. I have a theory as to why that you haven't yet addressed. She wants to kill them herself. Arya in season two is at somewhat of a transition point where she's balancing survival with a need for revenge. Perhaps her choosing not to name these big fish to Jacken, who have personally caused her so much anguish, is the beginning of her brutal mission to complete her kill list herself. When she kills Marin Trant in the end of season five, she tells him, I'm glad the many-faced gods saved you for me. In season seven, she and Sansa both lament not being the ones to have to take have the privilege to kill Joffrey. What do you think? Yeah, that seems totally reasonable. I do think that that there is a point where st- like Tywin is riding forth from the gates where if she had the wish and Jack and right in front of her, she would have wished for his death right there because she hasn't quite Maybe. made that transition. But this is a this is a compelling point of why she wouldn't just like name her top three off her list because she she wants to be the one. Yeah, and I think it's something that she could be doing even subconsciously. You know, not not naming him, not because she hasn't yeah, thought of him, right? Or, like I'm gonna save her for later, just like you know, or yeah, not that she specifically wants to save him for later, but that's kind of just on her radar in general, right? Um, and she's making that decision without consciously making it. Good takes, Jake from Cincinnati. When Tyrion wakes after the battle, he discovers he's lost a handship, his looks, and his Vale Mountain Clan warriors have been paid and sent home by his father, who's now acting hand. These Vale Mountain clansmen can be seen flanking Tyrion throughout the season, including in the attack uh, Tyrion led at the Blackwater. I'm not sure if there are more to these guys in the book or if their role fans out like it does in the show, but it got me thinking. Tyrion, now handed the Queen, is heading north. The Vale of Arryn is just south of White Harbor, and his company is in an ever-desperate need of allies. Do you see Tyrion calling upon these mountain warriors to his aid? Yeah, he could. My question is, why the fuck would they heed his call? Like, this There's was a transaction. for more gold. <laughs> I guess. Like, that would be interesting if, if we find the mountain clans and they've kind of, like, they're, like, Novu, Novu-rish. <laughs> right. Right. They bought a bunch of expensive art. Like, they've upgraded. They've hung it on their walls. Yeah, exactly. But it's, Shag like... Shag carpeting. <laughs> it's kind of like, you know, like... Uh, 
I don't want. I'll, I'll I'll stick to my personal. Like like like, you know, it's interesting phenomenon because when I grew up, we have a lot of tornadoes and storms. That's a lot of trailer parks. Very true. And when you'd see a storm cut through a trailer park, their phenomenon of the trailer parks getting the trailers being gussied up. Mm-hmm. Let's say someone actually builds an actual. I've seen this in my own uh, actual roof over their trailer uh, with a like a nice wood deck and 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 they've got like you know like who knows what riches untold riches they have inside the trailer itself uh-huh. but like that version of the hill tribes like they're still living in mud huts but now they've got like gold jewelry and silver plates and and shit like that all right but they sure. have, they haven't quite acqu- acquired the class and taste as befits their wealth and status uh-huh. but now then they're like well shit we still live in a mud hut, man. We need to. We need to. Like, and Tyrion comes and says, "I'll give you castles or something." Yeah, I, I, I don't. I wouldn't buy that they'd be, uh, I guess, prepared enough for that kind of wealth to to use it properly. They just put swimming pools in the back. Well, here's like above ground swimming pools too. Not even the good. You kind. know what he could promise them? Ferrari could, could, in the driveway of the trailer park. He like, could actually promise them the fucking veil. Yeah, because who's around to like? Are, are <laughs> Robin. We gonna, yeah, sweet Robin. We were going to shed some crocodile tears if he gets fucked out of his no. of his house. No, 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 no. And that's what they've always wanted, right? As a they've matter always, of fact, I would love to see him fly. The Knights of the Vale. They hate him because the Knights of the Vale run him into the hills where they're kept yeah. poor and starving the whole time. They yeah. don't have good weapons. They don't have good steel. So like, he could offer him the Vale. I, I guess that would be interesting. And they probably take him up on that offer. Mm-hmm. All right, we'll see if they do. I think I think we've got a plausible path toward this happening. We'll see if they take it, Jake. At the same time, all of the uh, Hills tribesmen that they had on staff mm-hmm. couldn't defeat Tywin when he came back. True, and we do know that they still have a large army uh, at King's Landing. So, or or in the Lannister employ, right? So I, I wait. Don't they know. wouldn't. They weren't working to defeat. Oh. Ty, they weren't working to defeat Tywin. Or sorry, not Tywin. Stannis. Stannis. Okay, yeah, okay. yeah. Couldn't couldn't repel Stannis's troops right. when he landed. So how good? How much are they actually worth? Um, that's a good question. However much, uh, however much gold t- uh, the, Tywin paid him, I guess. Yeah, uh, I mean that's the thing. Like, what are they going to be? Especially good fighters against the right? I don't White Walker. You do need manpower, though. Maybe. Yeah. We'll see. We'll see. Tavis from Morgantown, West Virginia. In season seven, Daenerys had a resounding rival at Dragonstone, and rightfully so. This is where ancestors fled hundreds of years ago before the Doom of Valeria. It's where they launched their conquering of Westeros. It's where Danny was born and escaped from after Robert's Rebellion. It's fitting for her to have an emotional sequence returning quote-unquote home. But why didn't she get the same treatment at King's Landing? At the Dragon Pit, many of the main characters assemble to make a truce and discuss a real war with the White Walkers and the Army of the Dead. Daenerys comes in late, but in grand fashion on the back of Drogon. However, I wanted to see some recognition of her glimpsing King's Landing for the first time and it moving her. I know the showrunners wanted to play up the mystery of where Daenerys was and to shock Cersei a bit, but I think they missed an opportunity. Hmm. Well, I mean, the thing is, is, you know... King's Landing is a hostile city. Like she can't just walk around and like gawk and gape and like oh my and like touch the ground and shed tears. Like she's trying to be this strong thing. Like I don't. I, I think if they gave her that scene, a lot of people on the internet would say, "Oh God, Daenerys looks weak." Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think he's talking about like from like an aerial, like from the dragon. Hmm. 
Yeah, I guess they could have they, they done that where she kind of like looks longingly at King's Landing as a whole. But maybe I'm just completely blanking on this, but is there a reason for her to have a special like affinity for it's King's like Landing? This is, this is the city that Aegon built. This was his this was his this okay. was his grand vision. Okay. There was no King's Landing. There was no king in Westeros. Like gotcha. of all and this is that he made through his own sheer force of will, I guess, is what the, mm. the thing But I did, I felt like there was some with her and John reflecting on how her people became this is where they shut away her dragons became like they did have the reflection. It wasn't like a grandiose one. It was more like Dragonstone is where she had the 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 grandiose like oh my god I'm home, home and yeah. look at what I've done and I'm awesome. Dragon the dragon pit was more of a cautionary like when yeah. we forget who we are and where we come from this is what happens to us. Mm-hmm. So yeah, like I said I think I think it would have been a we- it would have been weird to to put that moment in. That's just my opinion. Nick K, Lord Varys has insisted on more than one occasion that he serves the realm, but I'm not so sure. He claims to act in the interest of stability and peace, but he's more often taking steps to destabilize the realm, not to avoid war. Right from the start in season one, Arya overhears him and Illyrio plotting to foment the Targaryen restoration. But as hard as Varys worked to restore Daenerys, he's been oddly absent in guiding her ascension, instead leaving Tyrion to exercise influence over her, whose life story has been one of poor judgment where pretty women who treat him well is concerned. I think he wants chaos and not peace. His mm. origin story revolves around his root and stem or lack thereof, but what if Varys was a willing participant instead of a victim in sacrificing his manhood to whatever god is empowering the Night King? The flame turned blue and the sacrifice was made, same as the Dragon White's breath. What if Varys is Melisandre's equivalent for the Lord of Darkness? There's a lot of magic in these lady uh, in those parts, as we saw early on. Might Illyrio be a sorcerer? Why did that dude have three dragon eggs? A lot of fucking questions in there. Yeah, we got kind of it started off together. solid, and we we got off into the weeds a bit. Um, yeah. Like I said, I I mean, I just I just laid out a compelling plot line for why Varys could be a bad guy without actually being a capital B capital G bad guy, right? And and without having the you know the old switcheroo pulled on the audience too. right that i'm actually a dark warlord right um yeah i i maybe i shouldn't maybe i'm a fool for believing this but i think when Varys has those very somber moments where he talks about you know what happened to him and he catches the man who did this to him and and imprisons him in a box you know like i think those moments are genuine and maybe I'm a fool for it. I, I agree maybe with Varys you. So if just, you're a fool, we're in it together. Yeah, those feel like genuine moments from a person who is traumatized by this thing, not someone who who is masquerading under this guise of revenge uh, when, in fact, he was the person who who used his parts to mm-hmm. to become a dark wizard. I don't know. I mean, if if you wanna if you wanna go super tinfoily, I did a dive on this in season five, I think. But there's an interesting fan theory about the nature of Varys and Illyrio's relationship. Mm-hmm. That um, and there's there's like you know strong and weak versions of this theory. But like one of them, the, if if you read the books and Dance of Dragons goes into this, that you know Var- Varys and Illyrio had this this whole thing where Varys would use his cunning and his stealth to sneak in and steal things of value from people. And then Illyrio would come in as a sellsword and say, I know the brigand that did this and I can get you, I can recover your thing for a fee. And they would do this like fence and recovery operation and essentially double dip on their, 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 their money. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and there is a theory, the weak version of which is this, that Vario, uh, Vario, uh, Varus and Illyrio uh, are essentially running the same kind of rip and run strategy writ large. Mm-hmm. And if they can put their main, like in, in the books, if they can put their guy, Aegon Targaryen, on the throne, then they essentially win the entire Seven Kingdoms. Or in the show, if it's if it's if they put Danny on the throne, then essentially they they, they get to own the, entire, the, the whole Seven Kingdoms. And this whole thing with Robert's Rebellion was essentially that stealing something and then selling it back to someone at a high price all over again. I feel like they and if the, that strong, is their plan. The strong tinfoil version of that is is uh, Varys is not a man, but he's a woman. He's Illyrio's <laughs> uh, uh, fucking black wife. Uh, yeah. yeah, 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 like a uh, uh, black fire Targaryen wife, uh-huh. and Aegon's are illegitimate Targaryen son. Oh boy, and they're doing it upright. Like I'm, I mean, again, there's... yeah, yeah. So none of that has to be true. But if you're gonna say. That this is their rip and run strategy for Westeros, then I think they have seriously underestimated or or misestimated, you know, miscalculated on yeah. who Danny is. Sure, because Danny is not that person who Danny's they're going not, to be not controlling. A that they're going to sell back her possessions no, to. Absolutely not. She's someone who's going to destroy the system they're trying to take advantage of. If that's the case, you know. Mm-hmm. So. You know, miscalculation, if that's their plan. Well, yeah. I mean, the fact that, again, Melisandre, not to put too far a point on it, says you're a dead man. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, I didn't, I, and the way she said it, it's not like old age in bed. Right. So, <laughs> uh, moving on. Adam K. Got a quick question for you. Isn't Gendry an heir to the throne? No, he's not. Uh, like, I mean, that's the thing, like, as I say many, many times... Unless he can amass an army. If he can amass an army... And take it by force. And take it by force, then the fact that he's actually the bastard son of Robert would probably go a long way to convincing the lords and ladies, all right, all right, we'll go along with this, because yeah. he's got he's got a claim, and Close he's also enough. got this massive army, and what are we going to do? Yeah. Um, but no, he has not even the whiff of a legitimate claim, because like, if if Robert had no legitimate issue... Because bastards have no claim to shit in Westerosi politics. Mm-hmm. Then the rightful heir was Stannis and then Rinley and probably some other. You'd have to go off into some obscure Baratheon branch of the family. But yeah. there's no fucking way that Rinley can be a legitimate heir. Yeah. That doesn't mean he can't take the red red keep and it doesn't mean he can't sit on the throne. It doesn't mean that he couldn't rule as king. It just means he doesn't have any legitimate claim. Yeah. I, I mean, he would have but to go on did Robert the Jon Snow journey. Right. right. Right, exactly. From no claim to being essentially elected right. by the people of the North as king of the North. The only way he could have a legitimate claim is if a current king of Westeros declared him legitimate mm-hmm. and then presumably abdicated the throne or died. Then he could potentially be a legitimate heir. Yeah. But as a bastard, he has. He's, he gets, he's like uh, the end of Willy Wonka. You get nothing. <laughs> Good day, sir. Be gone. You know, all that. I can't uh, quote it from memory. Uh, Jonathan H. Oh, wait. He has another, um, I forgot, and cutting off his point that he had another question. If the Night King can see the future, why do you throw the second spear and miss? All part of the plan. All part of the plan, baby. The Visions promised him a dragon. He got greedy. It's so they'll think he can miss. And the <laughs> right. next time, he won't. Right. Turns out he's just, uh, he was sandbagging because he's just like, he's like <laughs> Will Ferrell and Elf with snowballs with those ice spears. He can just chuck them 16 16- Spears a second mm-hmm. with unerring accuracy, 
Dragon's Dragon's super fucked. This is all part of his master plan. Uh, but no, seriously, like, you know, if Melisandre can get shit wrong, I'm assuming the Night King can too. I don't think the Night King is literally a god. I think the no. Night King might be getting receptions from a potential evil god, but I don't think he is god. So then he can misunderstand shit as well as the next ice zombie. Yeah. Uh, Jonathan H., am I right in assuming that season six and seven contain roughly the same content that Winds of Winter will eventually contain? Does this mean that season eight will roughly have the same content as A Dream of Spring? And if true, how much of season eight will be satisfying content where all loose ends are tied up? I feel I feel bad for you because I think you're wasting your effort. I think he's right, though, that the, <laughs> the, the, the wall falling feels like a climax to Winds of War. Oh, winds of Winter? Winds of Winter, sure. rather. Yeah, totally. Because like that's like in a dream of spring, like things start turning good. Right. the The wall coming down is the worst thing you can imagine when it comes to the White Walkers. So like I can't believe that the, a dream of spring would contain that. So yeah, I think I think you're right, but it's an open question whether these books even get written. And yeah, then, and that's who what the fuck I mean. knows. And and also like George Martin, there was a whole there a lot of the preview chapters of Winds of Winter were shit that he cut from dance with dragons so like huh. what is in the book and isn't in the book is kind of an arbitrary thing there's some there's some suggestion right now from the more hopeful fans that he actually has the books finished it's just a debate of which chapter goes where <laughs> or where exactly it's like you know again like i get like at least a weekly basis someone saying don't you think it's possible that he's got both the books done and he's just waiting for it and i'm like how long do you have that debate before you go you know what it doesn't really matter, right? Let's let's just put the chapters. Let's make them roughly the same length, uh-huh. and let's put them out. Yeah, and like because our fans are pissed. And also, what does this publisher think? Yeah, like if it got out that he was just sitting yeah. there and like not not able to call one half of his book wins and the other dream, I think that <laughs> they would get some. They would. How do you strong arm Martin at this point? Right, he doesn't need your fucking advance. With a prearranged contract, of, I guess, unless he doesn't right. have one. But I'm saying, like, I yeah, I just don't like their their sole remedy is probably taking their advance back, and he'd be like, well, so yeah. who gives a shit? Or taking them to court, one yeah. or two. Yeah, but that would be ugly. Very. That'd be that'd be ugly taking the creator to trial for not it for having writer's block essentially. I mean, if he's got a contract and he says, you know, it'll be done at X date. Something he's got to honor. I think he should just do it because, like, there is an implicit, like, you know, there there is an implicit promise when you start a series that you're going to fucking finish it, or at least try. Right. Yeah. It's like I mean, you know, in a Robert Jordan situation, look, I get it. Kick, you know, Kickstarter can say all they want about how this is, you know, gambling money essentially, and nobody's responsible <laughs> for everything. But it's always a shit show when people don't deliver or make an earnest yeah. attempt to deliver. So I feel like there's at least that minimum. Like we've invested in five books, we would like to see six and seven mm-hmm. uh, without, like, you know, death or a serious de- de- debilitating illness being an excuse for it. I what that's just that's how I'm that's that's what my relationship with with Martin is anyway. Uh, last email of the show and of the season, Costa M. My question is: Now that we know John's real name is Aegon, I probably will never want to refer to him as such. In that respect, on Stranger Things, we also find out there's a spoiler yeah. for Stranger Things, yeah. but it, it's just like okay, less spoilery. Uh, Everyone is introduced to the character of Crazy Eyes on Orange is the New Black as Crazy Eyes. She mm-hmm. later confides or tells you, find her name is Susan. And at what point are you kind of being a dick 
by using essentially a, a slur that she's called in the prison yard as her name instead of referring to her as her actual name, Susan. And I sure. think the, que- the, 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 re- the, the where, where it gets – where it comes down to is when a person says, I have a clear preference for being called something, you're kind of a dick if you don't respect that. Like you're Jim yeah. – if, if someone insisted on calling you Jimmy – and you said, no, I'm actually Jim. And they continued to, or you said, oh, I'm actually James. And, and they continued to ignore that. You'd think, well, he's just being an asshole. He's trying to piss me off, right? Uh-huh. What other purpose could he have by n- intentionally mislabeling me? Right. So if John finds out that he's Aegon Targaryen and has a strong preference for people coming around and calling him Aegon, then I guess I'll have to start fucking calling him <laughs> Aegon because that's the respectful thing to do. Right. Why... Am I in denial, or do I think that even if John finds out, he's going to still want to be called John? I mean, it's it's all he's ever known. The only father he's ever known gave him. Yeah, and it, it, I think that name means a lot to him at this point. You know, he's done so much with it. um, Whether he's a Snow or not, that that John name. That's the thing. Like him taking the Targaryen last name and being John Targaryen first of his name, totally cool with. Totally cool with. Okay. The Aegon, the Aegon part. is where I start getting like kind of, kind of like that's that's dumb. Yeah, but because but I don't know because the, the thing is is I think it's going to be a narrative statement no matter what happens. If he rejects Aegon and keeps Targaryen, that says something about the choice he's making in his life. If he embraces Aegon Targaryen full tilt, that also says something about what is going on with this character. Yeah, they're kind of setting him up to have this interesting sort of theon trial right right <laughs> where he has to s- decide who he's gonna be right uh, based on the two different names he has right uh we'll see which one he goes with i, and I think that john targaryen that would also be a nice another ice and fire because he keeps the name that his stark father gave him but he takes the last name of the targaryen house that he belongs to yeah so like i you know it's like it, it, it's but the, yeah i guess if john comes and says i want everyone to call me uh, egg on now like I, yeah it's pretentious but I'm, I'm gonna have to do it maybe he'll come in and be like you know what i found out i got two different names fuck all this i've always wanted to be called donald <laughs> call me donald from now on <laughs> right. Would you call him donald i mean if someone <laughs> yeah be a hard pill to swallow though in our coverage <laughs> I mean, it would be, but you get used to it. Like, like I said, it's always there's always like I saw this orange and new black. There's always a point where she's crazy eyes, and then like interchangeably crazy eyes Susan, and yeah. then later seasons if you slip up and call her crazy eyes, or even refer to her as crazy eyes in a scene when she's called crazy eyes, fans will get all fucking pissed because you're now right. disrespecting the character. Sure, and I think that's. That's what you just yeah. So yeah, it'll be it'll be a rough transition. So say we all. But John wants to be called fucking Aegon. Then I guess you know it'd be like it's like going back to my my insensitive roots comparison. If Kunta Kinte is all about being called Toby, not a big deal. Right, not a big deal. If he wants to be called Toby, then fucking call him Toby. If he wants to be called. Uh, you know, Kunta Kinte, then you should for fucking refer to him as Kunta Kinte because that's his name. The good news is you won't have much time to to either fuck this up or be uncomfortable with it or anything because the show's almost over. It's true. So at most, like if he comes back first scene season eight and says, "Call me Aegon," right? Uh, you got one season to deal with it. It's not mm-hmm. that big a deal. You're gonna have that transition period. It's right. gonna be quick. 
Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I think you're right. Like, there's not going to be enough time for fans to get, like, really yeah. strong feelings about the Aegon. Like, if this was the, 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 the hypothetical Aaron's yeah. 10th season, <laughs> right. I guarantee if he says, I want to be called Aegon, and we continue to call him John, we'd yeah. start getting shit for it. For sure. Rightfully so, because you're either being, you're either, that's, then you're making a statement about yourself as a podcaster mm-hmm. that you're either going to willfully dismiss the show's claim of his actual name which says something about your relationship with the show or you don't give a shit you yeah. don't care enough to keep it straight which also says something about your relationship with the show which mm-hmm. is what probably what the, the, you know these names and how we use them it all comes back to how we feel about the person we're talking about sure you know so and there's all if you use your imagination there's all points in real life where we can you can take this lesson to heart mm. and and not be assholes to each other maybe maybe <laughs> and that's it that's it. That's it for the season. That's it for season cool. two. Close it on the books. We only got one more season. Well, one more season in season eight, and we have a yet another sh- sh- yet another show with full coverage, Jim. That's right. Yeah, we got to get through season three, season eight, and it's it's all downhill from there. Again, unfortunately, <laughs> cannot be specific about the schedule. We will be looking for a ten week gap in our in our full tilt, full coverage schedule. Like honestly, if we did a better job looking ahead probably not have done season two right after season seven no, because it really it put us behind the eight ball in a lot of things but but you know doing it before would have also been a mistake like we were it was crammed right. full we had three shows before we have three shows after it's yeah not been easy sometimes there's not a great time and now with surely a year between now and and game of uh, game of thrones coming back at the minimum Surely we surely. can find we can find a a, a, a a slot to put that stuff in surely Again, follow us on social media uh, on Bald uh, on Bald Move if you'd like to be up to date with the latest decision. We probably also something we can talk about on the you know will be mentioned on the forums. It's also if you just keep checking baldmove.com or subscribe to our uh, Game of Thrones feed. The second you yeah. second you get a podcast drop, it pops up in your notifications, and that's the best way to do it. Mm-hmm. It's also best for us. So if that true. makes anything, then 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 do that. Mutually beneficial. And there you go. Um, I'm just stalling, just stalling, because I've been talking about Game of Thrones for 20 weeks. It's going to feel weird not to, but... Uh, yeah. I find we always do this at the end of a season. Right. Because right. we know we want more. We know the fans want more. It's because it's, it's in my D, and everything wants ma- makes me want to say, we'll see you next week until then. Yeah. But... I can't say next week. I can't say next year. I, I, I can't I think say we can next firmly season. say, I'll see you next year. I think we could We're say We're going to get this done in 2018. We're going to make that yeah. vow. Yeah. All right. We will see you in 2018. Until then, I'm Aaron. And I'm Jim. Later.